do this. This is how I work. This is no democracy. It is a dictatorship. Take your cake, take your cake. Double hate, double hate. Everything that guy just says bullshit. Thank you. Life is cruel. I don't give a f what the deal was. The deal is now changed. Either you stay or you go. It's up to you. End of discussion. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome back to uh, Multiplex. Your list sucks. Uh, we've got another episode in top 40 animated films. Uh, we're going through uh, numbers uh, 30 to 21 on our list this week. Should be interesting. Things things got a little uh, out of hand last time, so let's see how far off the rails we can get this time. Uh, we will start with uh, Paul Yama. Paul, uh, you won last week from that mistake. Yeah. Uh, do you think you can keep that train going? If you thought last week was out of control, I hesitate to, to wonder what will happen in the coming weeks. Um, no, I'm excited. I think that my chances are going to be a little lower because I think when you once you get to the cream top of the list, it's going to be the cream of the crop for everyone. So it's going to be those little margins of who just picks the right movies um, for Boatman. Um, I don't anticipate too much you know, shenanigans from the people this week, but maybe Mark will continue to surprise me with these random movies that I forgot existed. Um, <laughs> uh, I know I'm, I'm stoked though. Like, I mean, it's, you know, I love being on the show top 40 animated. I was so stoked for this and I can't wait to continue on to movies. I like even more than the ones we talked about last week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, chance. I believe you lost last week. You think you will keep that streak going? I believe he says that's the guy who decided it. <laughs> I, I don't remember what I don't, cons- I don't consider that my, my you know, I don't consider that a loss. I consider that a loss for the time being. Could make it up in the end. Well, yeah, but like for the week. For lost. the week, I, for the week, I did lose because some you know bullshit bias judging. I get it. It's fine. Whatever. But uh, you know, it's uh, you know. Uh, that, those are just ones I want to just get on because, look, I just I, I just wanted to shout out movies that I liked more than most people, and uh, this one I think I thought it was going to be a little bit more of the same, but I think I got some I think I got some choices that I find to be a bit better. Of course, they're higher on my list, but yeah, I'm excited. Okay, uh, now uh, Mark, Mark, I don't remember if you were second or third. I think you were third. Yeah, you were third last week. Uh, will will you move up in the rankings, or are you going to move down in the rankings, or do you think you're going to say about where you were? Uh, you know, to be honest, I don't know, because I was certain I was going to lose last week, and I didn't. Uh, so, you know, anything could happen. I think I have more classically, like, uh, more liked movies this week, and I think that could continue. Or maybe not, I don't know, because people here have weird taste, but That's fair. No, that's that's completely fair. Uh, you know, uh, last I I will say last week probably helped. I didn't watch one of your movies. That probably kept you a little above water. Yeah, uh, if, if you would wa- if you would watch Tower and would not watch Tower and, and Transformers, it might be a different story. Last week, <laughs> maybe maybe uh, I will say I watched everything on Mark's list this week. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll see. And Nazario. I'm not even going to ask what you think because I I don't think anyone knows what's going to happen with your list. 
even you. I think at the end of the day, you're the most unpredictable person here. More unpredictable than Rhesus? <laughs> yeah, Rhesus is predictable. Know. It's every day after More the second period. Unless you got the tension. He's always going to say this, Swamp. You know, Randall's always. I think, uh, I, think I, I have good movies, so fine. Okay. Sure. Uh, so we will get started uh, as always. We'll go uh, the the bottom three uh, so, uh, all around. Then uh, we'll go twenty seven to twenty four. Yeah, twenty seven to twenty four, and then top uh, twenty three, twenty two, twenty one. So we'll start with Paul. Paul, what is your thirty through twenty? I'm going to just say now, I bet I'll only be able to talk about one of these at the most. Uh, my number 30 is The Emperor's New Groove. Uh, my number 29 uh, is Finding Nemo. Yikes. Burp later. Yeah, it's a yikes to, uh, okay. And my number 28, uh, Nazara, you ready to say it again, is My Neighbor Totoro spelled yeah. horribly. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so the emperor's new groove um this is absolutely one of my favorite disney movies i love how looney tunes this movie is and how the physical humor and the sort of kind of breakneck speed of the humor um this time around one of my favorite jokes that i totally forgot about is when yzma goes to pull something out from beneath her dress and she pulls out a knife and you see the relief look of relief on Cusco and pacha's face that like they're like thank god it wasn't something else um a lot of this humor is very much i think geared at um older people um by the way, there's, there's a fascinating oral history about this movie. If you read, written by Bill Gaviri, that's really fascinating about how it, it was made and the craziness of all that stuff. But um, it's just to me, it's a great buddy movie. Um, it's really quick and brisk. And I just love like, again, like the humor is the main thing that drives this forward for me. Um, I think Kuzco is a hilarious character and him set opposite Pacha and obviously Kronk, who I think is one of the great um, side characters in, in any movie animated or not. Um, I think he's absolutely hilarious. Like everything he does um, is just terrific. And Yzma's a great villain, top to bottom. Just, just a terrific movie that I'd love to go back to um, pretty often. Yeah, one of my favorites for sure. Uh, yeah, uh, I am not surprised, but I'm a little disappointed. This is as far as the Emperor's New Groove goes. Uh, this is one of my top five favorite Disney movies. I, I think the Looney Tunes descriptor is absolutely correct that this feels like like i love disney but this this feels like maybe their funniest movie uh just the the slapstick and the timing i love the scene where uh they are uh in, basically they they want Cusco and pacha to escape and the, the kids prank uh, Yzma and basically make her the pinata. Just the pure timing in the comedy. Yeah, yeah. So funny. Uh, just, I, I love so many uh, little moments in this. And yeah, it's Disney making a buddy comedy. And that feels so refreshing. Uh, th this is absolutely like all-time favorite Disney movie. Everyone else, what, what's wrong with you? Oh, do we get to talk? Or I thought, I thought yeah, oh, yeah, I think no. just I think he's just asking what's wrong with you in general. I will I will I will just say the, the scene of the scene I, of Cusco yeah, dressed up as a woman in the restaurant walks so the Scooby Doo scene of Scooby Doo on the airplane could run is all I have to say about that. Um, <laughs> but, okay, yeah. so now we will go to I try to remember how this show works. Wait, is is Totoro still yikes? Or? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Totoro and yeah. uh Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, uh, all right, man. 
Number 30 is The Secret of Kells. Uh, my number 29 is Kung Fu Panda 2. And my number 28 is uh, Shrek 2. Um, it's my 28. So. Okay. <laughs> right, so you can both talk about it now. Wow. <laughs> so we're talking about Shrek 2 first? Or? No, oh, no, no. Well, no. Yeah, we'll start with... Secret Kells. Okay. So yeah, uh, when, I was making this, like, when I was making this, I knew I want to shout out Tom Moore. I think he's a uh, fascinating anime filmmaker and just personally Secret of Kells is my favorite movie of his he's done uh, most because I've had the benefit of time I've seen this movie the most of his of his films um, this is the first of his Irish folklore trilogy uh, basically to tell the story of a boy who uh, he lives in a town that's about to get sacked by Vikings and uh, around that time there is this uh, other other monk who came from another village that was sacked learned this book and you know just trying to help him put together and learn that maybe this is what he wants to do helps gets, gets him out of, you know out of this town into world adventure he meets this uh, girl in the woods as uh aisling or ashley depending on how you how you hear it i thought it was ashley for the longest time and that's aisling uh but yeah she uh, meets her in the woods kind of shows him what's what um this this one really caught me by surprise when i watched in 2009 because just because of how i never seen anime movie quite like this uh with kind of like the hand-painted drawing uh type of animation i thought that was really great i love the way that it blends different styles of animation uh whether it's that there's a sequence where you're like fighting this evil entity that where like they're they're animated in different style one feels more hand-drawn feels a little more you know cg a little more fluid it blends together phenomenally i think the story is great uh the main kid brenton i think he's He's a great protagonist. Uh, you're, you're constantly with him on this journey. Uh, the relationship between him and Aisling, even though he, they're not, not very many scenes together, mostly because this one's very short. It's not very long. It's not even 80 minutes. Um, but um, I think the scenes with them are great. And I honestly do have a connection to this story because I've actually I've actually been to the Abbey of Kells. I've seen the actual Book of Kells on display at Trinity College in Dublin. So this is some stuff I actually have some like, connection to and to see it like play out on big screen, like this, this kind of artistry. I, I, I really dug it. I think Tom Moore is a great filmmaker, both the, uh, this song of the sea and Wolf Walkers, uh, great, uh, great set of animated films. Uh, uh, Wolf Walkers is really close for my favorite as of right now. It's secret of Kells, uh, going to Kung Fu Panda two. This is personally one of my favorite DreamWorks movies. Um, I think it's the best of all the Kung Fu Panda movies. Uh, and it's one that, well, a couple things. First of which, I think that I like the fact that they let Poe still be like a proficient martial artist. Like usually in sequels, they used to try like like nerd the protagonist, like make him weaker somehow. But no, they keep that. But they also had a lot of dimension. This character, like the whole his whole lineage, is a big part of this movie. And I like what the movie had to say about you know, like pain, like like not not ignoring the path, but like taking it and accepting it, and like letting it and just letting it roll. Uh, yeah, I think that um, the Gary Oldman as uh, Lord Shen is great. I love Michelle Yeoh, Michelle Yeoh being added to the cast. Uh, I think that the fight choreography, if you will, I think it's some of the best fighting in the series. Uh, I've, um, it's it's hard to pinpoint what I like more between that and, and fight between him and Tai Lung from the first, but I do think that. Uh, I think it moves the British pace. I love the score of it. I love the artistry of it. I think this is a fantastic, fantastic film. And uh, yeah, Shrek 2. I think that the first Shrek is... The first Shrek is really solid. I just watched it recently. Again, it's still, I think it still holds up. Shrek 2, in my opinion, is still the better film. In that, I think that this enabled them to write a... I think this one's, bottom line, it's funnier. I love the aspect of going to Kingdom Far, Far Away. I think that they play a lot with, uh, you know, the... Uh, you know the jokes, the uh, fair, like fairy tale jokes. The addition of Puss and Boots is great. I also think that I don't think Shrek and Fiona's relationship is any better than it is in this movie. 
just because you really just see like the lengths they're willing to go for each other, especially at the end when, I mean, spoiler alert, but come on, you've already seen this movie. Uh, when, you know, Shrek has the option to just like give up his lifestyle. It's like, Hey, you know what? I will stay human for you if that's what you want. But you know, they decided to just like stay how they are. I think, I think that's an incredibly powerful thing as a big fan. Absolutely fabulous. I love hearing Jennifer Saunders as the villain. I think she's hilarious. And uh, yeah, uh, I, I need say nothing about the uh, holding out for a hero scene. It's, it's, it's cemented its place in pop culture. Yeah, uh, Mark. Um, uh, yeah, I agree with a lot of what Chance said about Trick Two. I, I, th- I think for me, kind of uh, going back, like to this one, because I mean, I remember watching both and loving both as a kid. Like, and honestly, I think the Shrek franchise as a whole, like, is still okay, for the exception of the third one. Th- this one, I think, is probably their most fun movie. It is def. It's definitely the one I think where they're going faster with the jokes even though i think it's one where it's i think they're aiming down like at least down in like an age a little bit more with this one i think it's all still pretty solid they get in kind of still a lot of like neat uh like even weird like adult humor like when they like the night scene where like they they catch them there and, and then they catch a the stupid puss with the the, the, the catnip oh yeah that uh that dog that uh cop with a knight with the <laughs> knee on the donkey that's uh that's something to watch now but, but yeah i mean th- yeah that that movie is just is just a ton of fun like and uh it, it's it's hard for me not to go back and just kind of uh it just at least in, in enjoying the nostalgia of it all mm-hmm. uh okay so for uh i didn't i didn't have uh time to watch Peter to kill um, but I, I gave Kung Fu Panda to a reason. Okay. Because uh, it had been a while since I'd seen this one. I don't think I actually seen this one theater. Um, and I, I've heard that everyone, like, there are people who think this is better than the first one. I think this one is fine. I really don't get the insane love for this one. The one thing I will give you over uh, the first one, the villain. Lord Shen is great. I think that Gary Oldman is phenomenal. Uh, and I think there's a lot of great stuff with him. But overall, this this film, I, I kind of disagree with you in that I feel like they kind of toned down the fact that Poe is a Kung Fu master now. They Like, the Curious Five wants to leave him beside. They don't want to take him on. But it's but it's not because, like, he's, like, bad at Kung Fu now, which is what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's all the way like, he's... They don't think he can really handle himself. Well, that's because he's, he's mostly compliment, not because he can't fight. Like, the brother can fight. The brother can fight. Uh, he, not he can fight. Bowman he, thinks he can kick Poe's ass, is what he's saying. That's what he's saying. <laughs> I think he's using the Carmelo Anthony argument. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the the, Bowman's from, classic tactic. <laughs> yes. The guy from Ned's The Classified School Survival Guide? I think that's where you'd recognize him from. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, and Shrek 2, I will agree with Barr, which I hate to do. But Shrek 2 ends here. That disappoints me. It's Shrek yeah. 2. Shrek 2 is here. That's that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's here. Like, it's it's one, one of the funniest animated movies ever made. I think legitimately there are so many great little moments. We don't even have dental. 
Uh, they're just, I love so many little quips in this movie. Uh, the opening montage uh, to the Great Counting Crows song, uh, Accidentally Love, amazing. Uh, the, I think this one, I think the the comedy just hits so much harder than uh, the first Shrek. I like the first Shrek. I don't love the first Shrek film. I think Shrek 2 improves on the dynamic so much. Uh, I, I like Fiona a lot more in Shrek 2 than I do in Shrek 1. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, now we will go over to Mark. We already know what your 28 is, but give us your 30 and 29. All right. I think uh, let's see. We got yeah. My thirty is Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Anybody Damn. got that? Damn. <laughs> no, nice. I respect it. I respect it. Yeah. And my too. number twenty nine, which I gotta admit, I kind of wish I had a little bit lower, just so people get to talk about. It, is that my number twenty nine is the Mini Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Yikes! For later. Is it yikes? Oh, cool. Wow. Fucking awesome. Nice. So, oh, man, that, Mr. Peabody. Uh, yeah, Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Uh, I, I gotta be honest, this one kind of goes because whenever I saw, like, kind of cleaned up my list of DreamWorks movies to watch like a year or two ago, like, the I, I feel like a a, a like a, a line that I think works for a lot of these DreamWorks movies is they are like the a bunch of them are like movies that you think you hate. And I feel like Mr. Peabody and Sherman really lands in, it, especially in this category. It's a movie that you think you're going to hate. But I feel like where this one lands, I think where a bunch of those kind of weird DreamWorks movies land, it has an insane amount of heart. And I love how in Mr. Peabody and Sherman, they really turn into the skid that, no, like, we know this is a weird story where, like, this kid's traveling through time with his dog companion, but, you know, we're just going to outright say, no, this dog companion is Sherman's dad. He's his dad. He adopted him. He's his full-blown parent. And they totally <laughs> turn into that, and they totally turn into having this really touching, kind of heartfelt, like, dad and son story. Like, and I, I feel like the movie hits on those tones way more than you think it's going to do. And, like, I, I gotta be honest, like, I was watching it, and, like, I'm shocked, like, at how well they're handling this, just because it's freaking Mr. Peabody and Sherman. This could have easily been, like, a Rocky and Bullwinkle movie where they just, like, you know, we're just gonna cash in on some IP, but, man, the fucking DreamWorks writers show up to play whenever... They came in this one. They delivered this really surprisingly, like heartfelt, like dad and son story. And I, I'm like I have it at thirty right now. I could see it going higher as I get older, just because I'm just kind of blown away just by just just by how seriously they took this movie. Mr. Peabody and Sherman is an incredibly lame movie. It was an incredibly Dorky, lame, little bit cringe, and I love it. From Boatman, I was gonna say. <laughs> I love it. It is unabashedly nerdy. That is what this movie is. This movie doesn't care that. Well, it cares. Like it knows that it is nerdy and a little bit lame, but it doesn't matter because it warms you in and it charms you. And I'm I'm lame. I'll own it. And this, this movie worked for me so much. I love I love all of Mr. Peabody's puns. 
I'm not ashamed to admit it. All the all the really lame wordplay jokes in this work for me so much. Uh, there's a lot of fun history nerd humor. I just this movie is just such a smart fun time. I I really just had such a good time with this movie. Uh, yeah, I hadn't watched it. I didn't see it in theaters because I was 14 and thought it was too good for uh, DreamWorks movies at that time. Even though I did see, actually no, I didn't even see How to Train Your Dragon 2 in the theater. So yeah, I did think I was too good for DreamWorks movies. 14 year old Bowman was a little little piece of shit. Uh, but, as, as opposed to, I mean, you know, uh, but no, like this was fantastic. Uh, super fun. A uh, great pick. Uh, now you will go to Nazario. You're 33 through 28. Did he talk about his 29? Uh, it got yikes. It got yikes. Oh, okay. Number 30. Uh, I picked Richard Linklater's Waking Life. Okay. Uh, for 29, I have Rintaro's Metropolis. And my 28 is Disney Stars. Okay, you talk a lot. Nice. <laughs> Waking life. Uh, if I had made this list when I was 25 years old, probably would be in my top 10. Uh, but yeah, it, it plays different as much as you keep growing up. I guess some of the dreamer part of me started to die a little bit during the 30s, but the movie still still works. I actually was very split between putting this or a scanner darkly in this list. They are very similarly animated ones. Uh, Scanner Darkly is more of a standard sci-fi movie. It has more of a structure. This is just uh, philosophical thoughts, free, thrown about about dreams and life uh, at random for like two hours, an hour, 45 minutes. Uh, they just basically film people having discussions about life, about dreams, about imagination, about the reason of existence. Uh, some deep stuff, some not so deep, deep stuff. And then they decided to rotoscope animation over it and add some flair with some very surreal images. The movie is very, very good. Uh, if you watch it for the first time and, and you're used to a more structured way to watch cinema, you probably need to like take take a bit with it and let it come over you and so you can really enjoy it. Uh, one of my favorite scenes has basically no message at all. The, the guy is talking to another guy in the bar and then he just pulls out a gun and says, hey, I haven't shot this gun in a long time. Maybe it doesn't work. And the other guy's like, well, shoot it. Let's see. He gets shot. Then the guy who gets shot pulls another gun and shoots him back. And that's it. That's the thing. I'm pretty sure uh, that that would later be turned into a uh, SNL sketch and then would also later be turned into an even better uh, video store sketch. <laughs> What you say? Uh, Metropolis. <laughs> Metropolis is great. It's a uh, it's full anime style in the classic uh, Astro Boy series design, and basically Rintaro did not watch the Fritz Lang's Metropolis. He just saw the picture and said that that looks cool, and decided to make a new story around it. <laughs> and it's actually more interesting than people give it credit for. They make a whole society where robots are integrated in, the, in daily life, like where the robots should live, where the robots shouldn't live. Some levels of society are just for humans and special robots that have different accesses. And then uh, analyzes when a brilliant scientist who's insanely creative, but is also very 
low on morals, decides to make the best robot ever made in the basis of his daughter who died. Well, in the basis of the daughter of the, the person who rules the city who died. And how integrating this element of lifelikeness changes everybody's point of view on what a synthetic life and a real life is. It's a very interesting way to explore this sci-fi trope that other movies have made, but this is the best one in animation that I can think of. And if you give it a chance, you'll probably enjoy it. And my 28 is Tarzan. I love Tarzan. It's, uh, I, know, I know people like a lot of other 90s movies more than this, but this is probably my number three or four of the 90s at all. Like... It's not better than Beauty and the Beast or Hunchback of Notre Dame, but it's better than a lot of other stuff that people give too way much to credit for, like Hercules. Person uh, is great. The animation is beautiful. The music by Phil Collins that basically narrates the whole story, and it's a great soundtrack. People give it a lot of shit, but it's beautiful music. And dude, the way it animates the water, the way it animates the the a sabor when he attacks the family that the way it doesn't shy away from what the tale has to include which is the murder of his parents and yeah even the way they it deals with its villain in the end which has become a popular way of saying like hey maybe that's the way you should you know be definitive about the ending of a villain in a disney film without being too graphic people give it too much shit i am not a tarzan fan i do not love tarzan movies in general i do love this one all right, uh, so you're 30. Waking Life, maybe this is just a movie I need to give uh, another watch. I, I watched it last night, um, and I I don't know what it was. I thought I was really going to like it because I, 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 I like Linklater a lot, uh, but I don't know. There was just something about I, – I think it's a lot of these more segmented movies. I think just – I get invested into one segment and then the next segment will sometimes lose me. And I think that what Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawk. No, that one was great. That one was great. I like that one. I I like that one. It made me want to rewatch uh, the before trilogy because it's been a while. Uh, made me wanted to go do that. But like overall, I just I felt like. The, the movie didn't quite come together as a whole for me. Metropolis, I did not watch it. And I, it's not that I didn't watch it because I was lazy. I have a very uncomfortable connection with this movie. Uh, my This was uh, my ex-girlfriend's favorite movie. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> There. This was like her favorite movie. I was waiting for this this in this drop. Yeah, that's so weird. Yeah. Okay. So no, sorry, Nazario, oh. but I I'm not doing that. Uh, I'm I, dead. I haven't rewatched Cars three since 2017. <laughs> trying to prepare myself for that. Uh, <laughs> oh God. Okay. Uh, Tarzan. Uh, yeah, Tarzan. I like Tarzan. Do, do people have a problem with it? For I Do I love Tarzan? No. Do I have a good time with Tarzan? Yeah, I actually really think... Uh, I like the two leads. I think that Jane... They, they, they make Jane, like, not 
like tweety, but still like you see the the disconnect there. But I, I do really like her as a character, and I think Man Driver plays very well. And I think they do make you really care about Tarzan, which Tarzan is not a character I typically care about. I, I typically don't care about Tarzan, but I think they really do, which is great for a character who doesn't really speak all that much. I don't love the side characters, uh, the humans or or the animals. Though, like Turk and Tantor? Not really. I I don't mind Tantor. I don't mind Tantor because yeah. Wayne is awesome. But eh, Rosie O'Donnell is fine. Um, Ooh, Rosie O'Donnell is fine. Quote it. Boatman, twenty twenty one. That will get stuck in your head all day. Uh, oh yeah. And, Not for good reasons. <laughs> I I like the soundtrack. Is it different? Yes. Is it like? Would Good. I no? Did it highway rob Amy Man of an Oscar? Yes. Would I maybe have? <laughs> would I maybe have preferred like a traditional uh, Disney musical? Sure. But I like Phil Collins. I'm sorry. I like Phil Collins. I like this music. You tell me when Son of Man comes on or uh, Strangers Like Me. You. Even chance you you gotta tell me you 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 at least sing along a little bit. Come on. No. Come on. Imagine him like whispering like whispering quietly. He's like, mm. like he doesn't want to say it out loud. I don't want to say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> my heart very overrated. Yes. I will I will concede that. Oh two songs slap. Uh so yeah. Uh, now, people I forget to talk, uh, so uh, we will go to Paul, your 27. Yeah, my stream yard name would have been a spoiler for this pick. Uh, it is a yikes from earlier. My number 27 is the Mitchells versus the Machines. Um, so yeah, this is obviously a new movie from this year, um, but this movie really did hit me in such a specifically personal way. Um, I think when you have a character that's like this too, that's like a film nerd kid who's like trying to connect to their family, but like their passions, like that really does hit, um, in a pretty profound way. Um, I, you know, I even went on Scott's pod, Scott Harvey's podcast to talk about this for like an hour. Um, but I, I really did adore this movie. I think like it just has such a strong emotional core when you have the relationship between, um, Katie and her father. And I think, I mean, never have I cried at a wooden moose before, but here we are in the year of our Lord 2021. And here I am, um, speaking my truth. Um, you know, th this, I, I think a lot of people talk about the animation. I think the animation is good, but I think it's all about the themes and the central message and the characters, um, that are really like, closely defined, I think by their actions and by what they do and what they don't do and the way they come together in times of conflict. Um, I think the Eric Andre character is also hilarious. Like that version of like a tech bro is like a very funny spin on it. And I think like the John Legend, Chrissy Teigen thing is also very funny in a meta sort of way. Um, but I think this movie just has so many different levels that really hit for me. And I just honestly, just, it strikes such a chord emotionally. Um, and I was like a total mess, like at multiple points throughout this movie. Um, it just, you know, the, the humor, I don't think 100% hits for me all the time but I love it enough in terms of its its themes and, and ideas that um, it doesn't matter too much to me. Um, and it's just, yeah, I love the character. And it's one of my favorite closing credit sequences of any movie I can remember. It's so touching to see the real life people that made the movie and their connections to movies and their families and all that stuff. I think that's just so beautifully done. Um, but yeah, the Mitchells versus the Machines, it really blew me away. I think it's still my favorite movie I've seen in 2021. Um, it's just, yeah, it's a delightful, delightful movie that I'd recommend to anybody. I know Nazario also had it. Yeah, Nazario also I had it at 40. And Basically, mostly because of the recency factor. The first time I saw it, I gave it four and a half stars. 
second time, I was like, you know what? This is a five star movie. Let's just let's just admit that to yourself. And yeah, it, it, I think it's one of the the more interesting movies that show that mm. disconnect between parent and kid, especially with the modern <laughs> era where everybody has grown up with these levels of technology involved, and some older people are not as as fluent in tech as they should. And it hit me also as a father because even though my kid is only five years old, I still find myself watching him laughing his ass off at weird shit in YouTube that I do not understand. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I am old, and I couldn't. I could actually see that that disconnect between the the father and the kid, and and how sometimes we say things we don't mean just to get what we think we want at the moment, and then we may end up hurting the people we love, and. Besides all of that, it's just very, very funny. The part with the reprogrammed robots that, that join them for the rest of the trip, it's just, it's just hilarious. The dog thing. Is it a dog? Is it a pig? Is it a dog? Is it a pig? Uh, it's, it's a great joke. And yeah, it, it's fast-paced and, and it's very entertaining. It never, let, it never gets a lull where you feel like, huh, maybe they should have skipped this part. It's like on the whole time. And honestly... This movie will probably move up on my list eventually. Just give it a little time. It's still my number one in 2021. Yeah, uh, this is a film I want to rewatch. Uh, I loved it first time I saw it. I want to give it more because it's it's one that can probably go up to five stars on uh, second watch. Uh, but I, yeah, it's it's movie nerds. You're when your main character is a is a film nerd. That's yeah that that's already i'm in like that that's a great way to sell it and then i love the dynamic of the family in this uh from the mom kind of trying to keep things together uh and the, the great her great scene at the end where she like breaks through the the window and everything is great uh I, I, but the the relationship between the father and really what what makes this movie great uh i never uh realized that i would ever have nostalgia for the song live your life by rihanna and ti but here we are here we are uh that that made me miss that song which i didn't know was possible uh but yeah uh chance mark you both didn't have this film on your list why uh, for me, it's just a reason. I think I've, I've seen it once. I liked it a lot. It's my number two of the year so far. So I like it a lot. It, for me, it's just going to depend on how it holds up on repeat viewings. Uh, but yeah, as, as of right now, I've seen it once. Um, could do this again like five years down the line. Could make my list. But as of right now, it's just, uh, you know, it's just not, I'm not as, you know, ingrained with it as you guys clearly are. But I do think it's a great film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark? Uh, yeah, I, I am upset because. I, I, I saw as Nazaria said he had a, he had his forty, and he got yikes. And I'm like, oh great, an opportunity to watch it. And I forgot. <laughs> and everybody who I've talked to has really liked this movie, and I'm just upset. Grand opportunity to talk mm. about it, and I forgot to watch it. So no, but you get to watch it, and you get to watch it for the first time and discover it and, and enjoy yeah. it. Respect to it. So that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, I, I definitely recommend it. I feel like it'll line up with your sense of humor from the little I know of it. Uh, yeah. The first movie to acknowledge the horror of Furbies, by the way, to, to openly acknowledge. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> that's that's yeah. Okay, uh, Paul, you're 26. 
I'm number 26 is not the last time this filmmaker will be on my list, but my turn number 26 is five centimeters per second from Makoto Shinkai, director of Dornay. Uh, this is a movie that's, um, it's basically told in three segments and it's about this boy's life, two times from his childhood and then once of him as an adult. Um, and it's about these kind of fleeting um, interactions and relationships he has with these two, these two uh, girls that he's friends with as a kid. Um, and it's, I think so beautifully told in terms of the way when you're a kid and you have that friendship or that relationship or that crush that just is the world to you. And that's all that exists kind of. Um, but then sometimes like circumstances just get in the way and it's, it just becomes difficult. Um, this is to me like one of the most emotionally rent, like heart wrenching movie animated movies out there. Um, it's gorgeously animated. Like if you know Shinkai's work at all, like it, every frame is absolutely beautiful. Um, you can actually find it on YouTube, like for free. It's like, barely over an hour. Um, but this is a movie that really, like the ending really hits me hard. Um, there is like a sort of montage thing they do near the end that doesn't 100% work for me. But in general, um, I do find this movie like really hits me in the gut. Um, and it's like a movie that's like about the sort of the way you remember your youth and the connections you have to people that you kind of forget about sometimes um, that are really fre essential friendships to you at the time. But then, you know, they have to move away or you have to move or um, things just change in your life and it, it just becomes hard. But um, it's a beautiful, beautiful movie to me. Um, this kind of is like a almost like an Ur text for your name. It's really similar. I think they have a lot of similar themes and stuff. Um, but it's a gorgeous, gorgeous movie that is like just heartbreaking. I'd recommend it to almost anybody. Um, it's yeah, again, like the animation itself is also just incredible. The the backgrounds and the paintings and like the textures of the world and stuff is just um, it's really striking. And it's a simple, pretty simple bare bones story. But I really do love it. Um, and yeah, five centimeters just per second. Uh yeah. Uh I did not get a chance to watch this one. This was the one on Paul's list that I didn't have a chance to see. Uh, I uh, wanted to, after you kind of described it, just didn't have time for this one. Has anyone else seen five centimeters per second? Nah. So I'm saying, if you like your name, this I think will definitely appeal to you. Okay. I'll check I've it out. seen two movies by that director, not that one. Okay. Uh, all right, so my number twenty, my number twenty-five is uh, Wolf Children, um, which is another film from Amora Hosoda. Um, this is a film about a woman who, while in college, falls in love with a man who's kind of mysterious. He turns out to be part wolf, um, and he sort of leaves, and she has to raise these two children on her own. Um, and this again is another one of those movies that just really hits you in the gut emotionally. Um, just it's a story so much about the love that we give to our families and how much that that can change us and how difficult it can be to see them grow up um, and how as a parent like your relationship to your kids really shifts over the years um, and people like really having trouble fitting into to the world and to society again like this is another all his movies look I think beautifully animated but I think like the emotional story is kind of why all his movies really work um, it, this is just, again it's just like a really emotionally resonant movie that's um, has this mother really connecting with her kids there's a scene where it's raining really hard um, and she has to make sort of a decision between to going one of two places. And that's like a really difficult, um, and this, again, this movie just makes me cry. Um, I saw this in, in theaters at like an animation festival a few years ago and like the director hosted it was there. Um, and I think this is, he said his, his at the time was his favorite of his movies just because of the way it ties into his the ideas that he loves about family and his mother and how it makes him think of his mother and the sacrifices she made. Um, and it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous movie. And like, if I, it's kind of hard to find, honestly, um, like I had, I own it on Blu-ray, but I think besides the physical media, like, I don't think it's really streaming or I don't even know if you can rent it anywhere. Um, but it's a gorgeous movie that I would recommend to pretty much anybody. It's, it's like, it hits you in the gut. Um, and it's, this is like one that I've never not cried watching. Uh, one of my favorite animated movies for sure. Wolf children. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, like you said, this was a movie that was difficult to find. 
and I was able to find a decent way to watch this one, which was disappointing because I am starting to kind of come around on this filmmaker. Uh, so yeah, Wolf uh, Children. Let's keep going. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, Paul. Guys, it's great. It's great. I'm just saying. Watch it. No, no. I mean, I'll, 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 I'll buy a copy. We believe yeah, you. My number 24 is Batman Under the Red Hood. Holy shit. That is, that is a yikes. Wait, wait. Are we allowed direct to video? I had a discussion about that. This is this is a show. Why would we not? Again, I, I exactly. We'll, we'll get we'll get to it later. Uh, uh, but it's a yikes for later anyway. It is a yikes. I will say, uh, Cody has said that for every other wireless thing, direct to video is not allowed. But for this, it wasn't his problem, so he didn't care. <laughs> I, I I wish I knew that. We can relitigate this later. I'm glad you didn't, sorry. I don't trust you. Uh, yes, so, so, sorry. Cinderella Three: Twist in Time could not make your list. Okay, now we will go to Chance. Uh, this is probably going to be. A, I'm, I'm counting this as being a yikes. This is uh, my 27 is Grave of the Fireflies. Uh, yeah, that's a yikes. Too later. Yeah, I think, yep, I figured. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, that's a yikes for me too, but it's this episode. So. Yeah. Uh, so uh, my number 26 is The Secret of Nim. Yikes. I was gonna say. Uh, <laughs> for, like, yeah. for, for this or for later? Okay, fine. Uh, moving on. Uh, number twenty-five is fantastic, Mister Fox. Yikes! Yikes! <laughs> okay, uh, I probably I might get to talk about this one. My number. Yeah. Uh, Jesus oh. Christ! <laughs> I hit the wrong thing. Twenty-four <laughs> <laughs> uh, is Pinocchio. Yikes. I'm done. Wow. Okay. Good Good job. Job. That is amazing. Good job. I'm producing and uh, hosting at the same time. It's difficult. Okay. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying good job to you. I'm just saying good job to me. We're picking a bunch of things that I can't talk about yet. So, right. I'll do it again. Uh, Mark, you're 27 to 24. All right. Uh, 27. Let's see what we got here. Oh, uh, the Brave Little Toaster. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, I love you. What really? Okay, let's go. Brave little, you know what? As uh, as, as I'll just say, you know, you'll come to know about me later on. I am a fan of movies of inanimate objects, you know, coming to life and you know, doing human shit. And you know, like the Brave Little Toaster is, is definitely one of those. It, it was one that I saw a bunch as a kid, and you know, mm. kind of like you do when you see a bunch of movies as a kid, you just kind of forget about it. And for whatever weird reason. Like, I saw it on Netflix when I was 18, about to go to college. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know what? It's been a while. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna rent Brave Little Toaster, as you do. And, and you know, I went back to it. I got to it's man, it still charms the freaking pants off me. I saw it last night. It still did it. I don't, like, this this freaking movie about this, this freaking happy-go-lucky toaster just wanting to find the kid who used him. Back when in this weird summer cabin, I, I don't know what it is about it. Like, it, it's just so happy and joyous, and like it's just about these, free, it's just about these freaking guys that like are taking no quit for an answer, even though like they kind of pretend a bunch of these we weird inanimate objects. They pretend that they hate each other, but they really just secretly rely on each other, and they would do anything to kind of help each other in this great adventure. It's kind of, to me, it's like the good version of Homeward Bound, like in, in that weird way. Like it just, 
Okay. Like, I, I don't know what it is about this movie, man. Just every time it just, it, it freaking gets me, especially when I went back and rewatched it going off to college and like, oh, that's exactly what this kid's doing. He goes back for his old appliances, which is fucking weird. I mean, if my mom offered me like her new lamp, I would have taken the new fucking lamp and that lamp stay at the fucking cabin. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Nazario will make. I mean, uh, yeah. I'm tired. <laughs> anyway, what about Brave Little Toaster? Yeah, <laughs> Brave Little Toaster. Uh, yeah, uh, the main thing I remember about the Brave Little Toaster, uh, I had not seen it as a kid. But the main, my main association with it was that apparently this movie scarred a bunch of people as a kid. Like this, I can understand that. The clown scene, and that was like my main association with this movie. It's good. It's it's good. Is it, it very high? Yes. I think this is a, a little little high. But no, this is charming, right? Uh, probably the best part is uh, the the radio. I think radio is oh, yeah. probably the, the best thing in this movie. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, overall, this is this is a nice, charming little movie. 27, especially considering what you had below it. <laughs> eh, like Shrek 2. Shrek, you're going to tell me like, great little I don't. I don't know how, like, sh listen, Shrek 2 is great. I just, like, Shrek 2 is a weirdly, like, loved movie in this community, which I... You know, yes, we'll, we'll, we'll get to a yes, greater Shrek conversation later, but you know, we'll, we'll see that. Oh uh, no! Okay. Uh, anyone else thoughts on Brave? Listen, Boatman, you respect our great American astronaut, the Brave Little Toaster. <laughs> he didn't go to Mars to be treated I'm, I'm, this I'm, way. I'm about to say, uh, I, my Brave Little Toaster, Brave Little Toaster goes to Mars. No, Not I mean, I mean, honestly, Mark has a bunch of movies that would be like nice as like their number forty, but like we got to start reckoning with the fact that he's got these movies like high, <laughs> pretty high up, movies, yeah. like nice little movies that are like nice little six out of tens. Like I don't know what's going on here. Um, I think this movie is like. All right. Again, it's like a decent kids animated movie. I definitely think that it does. I don't. I didn't. When I saw it, I, I don't. I didn't see the things that I apparently that you see in them, uh, which is great for you, I suppose. Um, I will just say maybe if you watch some of the movies on my list, this wouldn't be number twenty-seven. Um, but it's all right. You know, it's cool. Maybe it was I mean, maybe I don't know. I watched this movie when I was six years old. I thought it was cute, and I laughed. I've never seen it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I mean, this movie, I was one that I watched. Uh, I watched it a couple times when I was a kid. Again, Brave Little to Go to Mars was my was my Brave Little Toshi movie because it was just like he go he's going to Mars. Like, why would I not watch that like sixty times? But yeah, uh, this one's uh, twenty seven. Sure, okay, very very nice to see what's above, what's above this. But uh, proceed, Mark. Uh, well, don't tell him to proceed. I'll tell him to proceed. Proceed, Mark. <laughs> You got it, sir. Uh, my number 26 is Mulan. Okay. Wow, okay. I'm a little bit surprised, I'll be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the way Nazario kind of talked about Tarzan is kind of how I feel about Mulan. It is a movie that I think it's weirdly forgotten, especially kind of in the age it came in, and it's I feel like it's altogether product is a really it's just a really solid film. Like it like I 
like in like it's so fun. Like you know, it just it's where we realize, man, Eddie Murphy is just amazing. It's just an animated character. It, he is great if all he has to do is show up in a sound booth for three days and just knock out jokes. And you know what? He he'll deliver a great character. Like if, if that's all he has to do. And it's just like the heart of this movie, I think, is so solid of like this girl, like who just feels lost and like just she she doesn't quite know where her purpose purposes. And like she's just kind of out to kind of to earn at least some sort of respect and just some sort of like of, of kind of sight for her future. And, and like in, in all in all, she's just really trying to do a good thing. And like in those weird emotional moments, kind of near the end, like, like I mean, it, I, I, I'm kind of creating a theme here of like, you know, I, I like, I like movies where they involve emotional parts with their parents, notably their dads. Like the, those like scenes tend to hit me, and like the stuff of like her and her dad hits pretty well. And even though this movie, I think to the movie's plus, I think it kind of leans back on the songs a little bit. It's not a full fledged musical, but the ones it has are really good. Yeah, uh, I think that Mulan is, I don't want to call it underrated, because obviously it's not, like it's so, it's it's very beloved, but it doesn't quite get the love that some Disney movies do, and I think that's a shame, because like this, 26 is where this stops, which really disappoints me, because I love Mulan. I think that Mulan is like such a great movie on so many different levels, right? Music's fantastic. Oh, chances are gone. Uh, music's, music's fantastic. Uh, everyone talks about I'll Make a Man Out of You, which is, of course, great. I love Honor to Us All. Honor to Us All rules. Uh, I think that's just a great little look into how this world uh, world look world works. Uh, I can't talk today. Um, but, no, I, I like these characters. I like uh, Mushu, uh, Eddie Murphy, so much fun. Dishonor on you, Dishonor on you now. Great. Uh, this is just such a fun movie. I love all the, the slapstick involving the soldiers, uh, you know, uh, particularly uh, Ling. Ling is probably the best character in this movie. Uh, but yeah, great, great. Uh, everyone else, what? What's wrong with you? What, you don't like Milan? Okay, first of all, I will have to say, I think Boatman thinking that Milan is not beloved speaks to the different social circles that I think we find ourselves in. Um, all the Asian people I know love Milan, but uh, it's a very <laughs> beloved movie. Um, I think it? it's like it's pretty well liked. Um, it was just outside my list. I mean, Boatman can tell you. it's if I think I even sent, like, this is just outside the for number 40 um, on my list. Um, I mean, it's one of my favorite Disney movies for sure. Um, I just think, I don't know, I guess other movies just... Um, were fresher on my mind and I had rewatched more recently. Uh, but I do love, especially the music and I think the character stuff in this. Um, I for, for one of my literature classes in college, I read the original stories and like the poems that this is based on. And it's kind of interesting how the interpretation shifts, obviously, under the Disney lens. Um, but I do think this one holds the, its themes more central than I think a lot of those Disney sort of old folklore adaptations do. Um, and I do think like, great. I think that, again, like the music's great. I think the characters are really fun. Um, yeah, it's one of my favorite Disney movies. Absolutely. Um, just kind of missed by a little bit. Um, Bowman's definitely the guy in I'll make him out of you who, who is, feels like a fool for skipping Jim. I feel like that's <laughs> yeah. he identifies with. Um, yes. <laughs> um, um, yeah. yeah, I have nothing especially bad to say about Mulan. Like, I think that uh, I, I love the protagonist. I think he's a well-written character. Um, I think that Mulan won a good performance. 
Uh, Shang is great. Great representation for LGBTQ LGBTQ characters. Uh, I love uh, Mushu. Uh, he's he's awesome. Uh, I think that I, I have like a really fo- good fondness for uh, I'll Make a Man Out of You, despite the fact that Donny Osmond's involved. Um, yeah, uh, I also think the animation is really good. I love the uh, the aesthetic of it. But uh, yeah, I just missed out on my list. And like I said, I have, I have plenty of Disney to talk about later. So I just I, I want to limit it, get to include some other stuff. But no, yeah, this, this, this is a good movie. Uh, they did them wrong with the live action on this one. Uh, yeah, the animated one is great. I haven't seen. I haven't seen it either. <laughs> yeah, the and I love the, and I love the director and this movie. So that tells you a lot about the perception uh, of. There's a really great movie called North Country. More people should see. Didn't all see her other, all her other movies are great, but yeah, yeah. This movie is really good. I also have it high on my Disney rank. I just basically have. 40 movies that I like better. And I have nothing wrong to say about it. Mushu is way better than Donkey, for once. This movie is way better than Hercules for seconds. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> unnecessary. unnecessary. <laughs> True. And, uh, unnecessary. Okay, I'm pretty sure the 25 is still upon the, the uh, Grave of the Fireflies. That's so yikes. Don't call it a punt. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't bring that in here. I forgot what show I'm on. All right, we're we're, oh, we're all we're all working with it. <laughs> anyway, I'm anyway. losing my mind. I'm losing my mind. Okay, twenty four. Finding Nemo. Uh, that's the yikes for later. Okay. Call it a punk. <laughs> You're twenty three. He's supposed to call you a word that rhymes with it. No, I'm just kidding. Wait, wouldn't they? Nazario, Nazario's turn. Yeah, uh, Nazario goes. Oh, yeah, yeah. What show are we on? <laughs> well, since I wasn't aware of this special rule you guys decided <laughs> about accepting animated direct DVD movies, I place here Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah, that is a massive yikes. Yeah. <laughs> he was doing a whole thing. <laughs> As a general representation of the Batman animated universe. Okay, well, no. yeah. for later. Number 26. <laughs> I'm going with uh, Charlie Kaufman's Anomalisa. Okay, so that's where it stops. Then I, then I had that yikes wow. last time. That, that's shocking. This movie's great. Uh, <laughs> it's really simple in its structure. It basically has three voice actors. And it follows the mundane life. Wait, am I, am I frozen? No, you're good. Okay. It follows the mundane life of a guy who's at a hotel about to give a speech in a conference. And his life, it's so mundane that he cannot even tell the difference between people anymore, be it men, be it women. Uh, they all look the same. They all sound the same, like Tom Noonan. But they do. And then he just meets somebody who breaks the monotony, somebody that looks different, that sounds a little different, and his interest becomes big. And we follow him through this one night where he rediscovers basically what life should be about and how it develops and it turns into something kind of twisted and sad. It's just the way the beautiful mind of Charlie Kaufman's work. The animation is done by Stop Animation, and it's insane. Making this movie was probably the stuff of nightmares. I have seen a lot of stop animation movie and they always look beautiful, especially when it's uh, 
fantasy scenery, adventure scenery, but this is mundane, everyday stuff, like a, a wristwatch on the table, a phone in a little corner, a little lamp, a nightlight that turns next to the bed, and it looks so goddamn real, and you can you can never really tell where the, the things stop being photorealistic and animated. It's, it's insanity. And it took me a while to watch this movie, actually. I bought it as soon as it came out because I was betting on the creator. But, yeah, I don't know why. It like, took me like two years to just decide to pick it up and shove that Blu-ray into the player. And, damn, I'm like, I, that that's worth my time. It's very yeah, inventive uh, in ways you don't expect it to be. Yeah, Chance, I believe you had this. Yeah, I had this at uh, 36. And yeah, there are like a certain amount of filmmakers who like, if they like, they're making an animated movie, like, okay, I got to see that. Charlie Kaufman's one of those dudes because like, I mean, this was like all due respect. He's just like, oh, he just like, seemed like a weird dude. <laughs> and so I want to see what he was, what he'd be able to do in an animated format. And yeah, uh, it's basically as crazy and as interesting as you'd expect. Uh, David Zulik was a great performance. Uh, the other two voice actors don't, don't want to bring anything up just in case you know, anyone hasn't seen it, but if you haven't seen it, go watch it but yeah i think it has a lot to say about you know breaking out of the ordinary and individualism and it does that in a way that only kaufman could in this and i understand why i try to make this this anime because like this is really the best medium for this type of story so uh yeah and i also wanted to throw this on my list because um there aren't very, a lot of anime movies that are like targets specifically for adults this is one of those few and i think that's as a medium i would like to see exploited more is because i do think that i mean like I, I think that the stigma of animated that is for kids. I think that there are a lot of filmmakers who do a lot to try and disprove that. Like you know, Charlie Kaufman did that. Um, Ralph Basky, when he was doing his thing, tried to do that. Uh, so yeah, I do think that uh, this is a mo- this is a movie that I wanted to include list because I think that it stands for that particular reason. So yeah, this film's great. Uh, like like it a whole lot. Yeah, uh, I watched Anomalies for the first time this year. Uh, and I think this film is excellent, uh, despite the fact that it was uh, co-produced by someone who died in a meth lab explosion. Uh, I think that this, <laughs> I think that this film is excellent. A little community reference there for you. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, this film was super well written. The most uncomfortable breakfast in a movie since uh, Michael Douglas tried to order in Falling Down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My it's breakfast that's the connection it's breakfast and it's uncomfortable uh but yeah no uh i i also don't want to say too much uh just because i think this film goes in a lot of interesting directions i don't love the very end but other than that i think the film is great uh paul nazari or paul uh, mark yeah uh I'll take movies I was not expecting to hear Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cindy Lauper in for, <laughs> for 1,000. Um, no, I mean, I like this movie. I saw it for the la- for the first time last year as well, which is kind of a surprising because obviously it seems so up my alley, I think. Um, I really like kind of the anxiety and the, and the neuroses of this movie, um, but I wasn't able to fully buy into the way it concludes. I mean, not even just the very end, like Boatman said, but for me, like the last act doesn't really work for me. I really love the middle portion, especially. But once it kicks into like, oh, this is what the movie is turning into. Um, I didn't 100% love that stuff, but I think it is um, beautifully animated. And I think it's, it's again, from a great mind. 
Uh, and it's a great translation of this like neurotic, nervy energy that Carly Coffin has. Like I, I couldn't imagine what it looked like, like what it was gonna feel like to see it in animated form. But I think it does translate his sensibilities to the to the medium in an interesting way. It just for me, it doesn't quite come together in the end, so it missed up quite a, just by a little bit. But it is still, I think, a really good movie. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't seen it. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> now twenty-five. Twenty-five. My 25 DreamWorks Chicken Run. Damn, okay. That's right. That's right. Nobody else had that? Else I, had I, that I, I had it. And it yikes. Uh, I had 35. Okay. Chicken Run, it's also stop animation. And it's kind of brilliant. It's basically a, a movie about a war, a war prison camp escape, but with chickens. <laughs> and how... <laughs> And how the inclusion of an American POW takes the foundation of the camp. He's a liar. He tries, to, he gives them false hope into a reality that they cannot achieve by themselves. And then he's uncovered, thrown away. This chicken just want to live. This chick is the one that we turn into pie. <laughs> the whole the, the whole thing about animation in stop animation it just makes everything more tangible and beautiful. And especially in this one, you can see the Artman style just who's charm by like every single pore. Do they look like well from Yes, they do, but in chicken. <laughs> and the whole thing we have broken the chance. They I finally think. decide that they yeah, will indeed fly even. If it's inside of a giant machine, it's it's beautiful. This is one of the. This is when I still had faith in DreamWorks. The first like four movies, they were like, okay, this is this is gonna be great shit. Ants. Yeah, oh my god. Ants. I love ants. you? I love ants. Damn you. Ants. All right, Ants. I'm not. I'm not gonna follow you down with this ants hole, but I mean, Chicken Run. Yeah, chicken run fucks. Like it's awesome. Uh, uh, I I didn't know we needed a a um an a great escape movie, but with chickens. But we did. We we really needed that shit. I mean, I I yeah, I love the hell out of Chicken Run. I saw it as a kid. I watched it so much as a kid. And man, the movie's still freaking great. I mean, Mel Gibson have his problems if you want. He's he's a he's a freaking treasure. And everything he's in, he's, he's amazing in this. Every he's so great. He <laughs> Maybe especially not phone every. calls, especially phone calls. Everything, especially voicemails. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm the beholder, you know? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, oh, Rocky the chicken was Oh, my God. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean... Chicken Run is is just awesome. It's so it's so freaking funny. Uh, I I do have a strange liking for like these. I know Kirk hates it, like the weird kind of bug eye stop motion like kind of look. I I really love that clay look and and it's just it it really fascinates me just as an animation style. Just the amount of work that that is put into that and it just. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I agree everything is right. Yeah. So come on, P uh, POW chicken camp. Come on. Yeah, POW chicken camp. Uh, I mean, yeah, this film has the re direct references to both The Great Escape and Spike Seventeen, uh, which is weird for an animated kids movie. There are direct references in there. Uh, we can we can call Cameron Rudd right now, and you will 
but yeah, I just I, haven't seen this in a while. I, if I rewatch it, maybe I'll. That's fair. No, but there are direct references. Uh, I think that this is easily the most patriotic film starring Mel Gibson in this. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Screw you, the most patriot. Hundred uh, percent. Come on, Air America. You know, I don't. Know. Anyway. Anyway, his, his turn uh, as an astronaut and daddy's home too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but no, uh, Hardman is a studio that I typically appreciate more than I like. Uh, there are very few Hardman movies I really, really enjoy. This is one of the two. Uh, I think Chicken Run is really fun. I don't think this movie quite gets going until Rocky shows up. When he shows up, I think the movie gets a lot better. Even though I, I will admit, I'm not big on these liar revealed stories. Uh, like it feels like all the 2000s and late 90s uh, kids movies had this kind of trope, and I, I'm just kind of sick of it at this point in kids movies. But overall, I think that this movie is really, really fun, really well animated. Uh, and small tangent. I think more animated um, stop motion animated movies probably should be nominated for editing Oscars because like that's that's really insane. That's editing. a lot of work. Yeah, that's a lot of work to edit together. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, uh, Paul Chance, you both did not have Chicken Run on your list. So after Mark said the Great Escape thing, I was thinking uh, the Timothy Spall character really is like James Coburn in the Great Escape. Like it really yeah. is an exact diet. Like like he's bringing some the contraband. Yeah, that is why that is crazy. Um, no, I mean I really like this movie a lot. I honestly just didn't rewatch it. I didn't have time to rewatch it in anticipation for this list, so I didn't think I could really put it on credibly. Um, there was maybe a chance I might have cracked, cracked the bottom of it if I had. I'm not honestly not 100 percent sure. It definitely is one of my favorite kind of DreamWorks movies. Um, I think it's really fun. I watched this a lot as a kid, especially. Um, this is like one of the first kind of big DVDs that I that I had as a kid. Um, but yeah, I, I like this movie a lot. It's just been a while thing since I've seen it, so I don't like have that connection. I haven't watched it, I think, since I, since I've really been an adult adult, um, like in the last five or so years, um, like since I've graduated high school. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's 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 been a while. <laughs> uh, yeah, same thing here. It's, it's been it's been so long since I've seen Chicken Run that I just can't incredibly put it on my list. I remember I remember liking it a lot. And uh, I I would love to see if they put in the dialogue Mel Gibson got cut. Is <laughs> 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 it him hitting on all the chickens? Just like, hey, that's what up? Yeah. So next up, sorry, we got your twenty-four. Did I mention I like stop animation? Because my twenty-four is Kubo and the Two Strings. No one. That's rough. Wow. Okay. And a lot of people just recently watched this because of Log Desk Tuesdays on Multiple. Uh, this movie is very, very good. It actually, like, most of the work by Leica has been doing recently is really, really good. And I love Paranorman. I had it earlier on my list. This one blew my mind even more than that. It makes a whole a whole story in a very very simple parable of a kid who is the result of a forbidden love affair between a samurai and the daughter of the moon and the way it represents like when he uses the his i don't even know the name of the interest instrument what is the name of the three string instrument that he uses 
Nobody knows. Perfect. No. Shamisen. Okay. Shamisen. The way he uses it, and and it magically folds the paper and the origami to tell the stories. It's it's beautiful. The the animation. I I don't even know. I think I have to definitely have used some CGI to mix this because it just flows perfectly, and it's very a simple story. Like the the king of the moon wants the kid because he is the reason that he lost his daughter to the samurai. He already took revenge on his on the samurai. He basically took revenge on his own daughter, and he just wants to end it by taking the the other eye out of Cuba because that's the thing. He has the one eye because he was injured in the fight between the the moon king and and his mother. And the way there there are some elements in this that are really haunting, like the other the other moon daughters that are all like voiced by Rooney Mara and they're they're Mara exactly the same and they are really creepy and basically then it turns into an adventure movie where he has to find these items that will allow him to be able to fight against the Moon King he needs the sword unbreakable he needs the the helmet I forgot the name impenetrable or something and the and the armor and everything has it's it's almost kind of like a video game structure where everything has to be like a challenge where he has to improve himself and earn the next thing. Matthew McConaughey too shows up as a, as a bug warrior that is also uh, brilliant. And Charlize Theron, man, that woman has a lot of talent. She has done everything <laughs> under the sun. And he, as always, she just shines through. Great movie. Everybody who hasn't seen it, go watch it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Kubo, uh, I watched for logged it, uh, like a lot of people. Uh, and I think that, uh, this movie just looks beautiful. Like this, this is maybe the best looking stop motion animated movie. Uh, I don't know if that's controversial or not. I don't think it is. I think this movie just looks astounding. And I do really like the, the, the actual thing. I think the story drags a little bit towards the like middle uh, but I, I really love the opening stuff, the, the with like the the origami paper story, and I do kind of like, even though it's very obvious who two certain characters are, I think that that kind of stable, man. Relax. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not saying that. I'm saying even though I think that you still appreciate the connection is what I'm saying. Let me talk, Nazario. Okay. Uh, <laughs> But no, uh, I think this this one was quite good. Uh, oh, Chance Mark. Uh, nobody yes. else had really surprised me. I think, I mean, I think I had a bit of a thing against this movie just because, I mean, I'm still really frustrated by its decision to cast the actors that it ch chose instead of casting an Asian cast. It was like right there. I think it was pretty easy to do that. Um, uh, I think it's a really good looking movie, but I do think it kind of fumbles the parable, the Buddhist parable that it's using to tell. It kind of, I think, shifts the sort of meaning of it in the in the latter the latter third in a way that I don't love. Um, and I just think like it does. It, this is probably like the closest thing to like a Legend of Zelda movie. I feel like that we've ever gotten. It feels yeah. very like Link on a journey Giant kind of thing. Um, I think so, but I, I I think again I think it's pretty good. I just don't love it really. I don't connect with the characters very much. I actually don't think the voice performances are very good. I don't think McConaughey 
and Charlize are very good in this actually. Um, I think some of the other people are doing pretty a pretty good job, but I just don't I don't think those are very convincing um, vocal performance, at least for me. Um, so yeah, this is a movie that I think is pretty good. Like uh, like Boatman mentioned earlier with Ardman, is more of a studio that I appreciate, <laughs> like that I respect and appreciate um, more than I like love really. Um, a lot of the movies I think are impressively made, but for some reason don't connect for me. Um, this is kind of another one of those, but um, who knows? I haven't seen it in a couple of years, so maybe if I watch it now, it'll be different. But last time I watched it, I was just kind of like, kind of lukewarm uh this one's this one's good there's just other like movies i prefer over this uh like paranormal which i liked with i yiked earlier um and i think maybe maybe that's just a little to find out about but uh yeah uh good movie just uh i prefer some other their work uh yeah um this movie was a tough fucking cut man it was like 45 whatever it it was really close it it like um give slight giveaway it because it's it's my favorite like a movie I, I like this movie so much. Like and everybody touched on it earlier. Like the it's visually it's stunning. And it's just I remember the first time sitting there like and not like just wondering how the fuck are they doing this? Like it just I I, I was in complete awe and I gotta disagree completely on Paul about the cast. I think the cast is pretty perfect. Uh, I love McConaughey and Charlie Charlie Theron is really good. Even Rooney Mara as like the voice of like the the sisters. What do you like, mean? Even Rooney Mara. Rooney Mara fucking rules. Rooney Mara is the best. Yeah, she's, she's always great, and she's great <laughs> in this. Like it's it's the, the cast. Yeah, Ray is, Fiennes. Ray Fiennes yeah. is in this too. Yes, that that's who it is. Yeah, Ray Ray Fiennes fucking awesome too. I mean, and I I love the ending in this movie. The ending is fantastic. Like the, like a number a number of animated movies like a like kind of modern animated movies have found some really unique ways especially one that was brought up last week with moana have found really unique ways of ending their have have kind of doing the climate having a non-violent climax to their movie which i find really fascinating this one does it really well and i i love kind of the like like how it leaves you with like this melancholic end where like yes like we've kind of dealt with everything but it's not but everything isn't like ship shape like it is i just i i really do like this movie and it just it 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 really cut me up to not have it on it, it was so close okay uh so now we will go to paul for his 23 yes i look I know other directors, anime, animation directors exist but i do not acknowledge them apparently <laughs> my number 23 is another host of the film the boy and the beast um, so yeah, this is a story about a human boy who is wandering through the streets. He's kind of he's homeless and he's kind of lost. And then he ends up in this world of monsters, and he ends up being mentored um, by this big beast called Komatetsu, um, who has this big rival. Um, but he basically takes him under his wing, and they they foster this really close relationship. And I, that's the thing I love most about this movie is the central relationship between the titular boy and the titular beast. And I think the way they grow to appreciate each other and how. Um, you know, they are both hard-headed in their own ways, and they're very similar people. So they argue about some things, but then they come together. And, and even when they come back apart, they're always there's always something tying them together. Um, this is not the last anime movie with the, in which a red rubber band will play a big plot point in the story. Uh, but no, I, I love this movie, and I love the, the world of the monsters. I love the look of all that stuff, the different masters they visit. Um, I think the action just looks awesome. Um, and it's just a bright, colorful, exciting world that I love to visit. Um, I really, again, I like the, the characters. I like the decision that they make in the end. Um, the choice that Komatetsu, the mentor, the beast makes, I think is really cool. Um, and the way that it ties back into um, this boy and his previous life and how, how it changes and everything. Um, 
but I just think that Bo the Boy and the Beast is just such a beautiful story about the you know finding this kind of close relationship when you don't expect it. Um, and I think it's it's so beautiful and gorgeous, and it's really fun to just revisit. This is a movie I like to come back to a lot, just because I think it's really, um, especially the first half is just really loose and fun and exciting. Um, but yeah, the Boy and the Beast, like just one of my again, it's a ton of fun. It's a blast. If you haven't seen it, like I definitely recommend it. This movie makes me want to rewatch Mirai, or not Mirai, Minari. Wow. Uh, <laughs> no, Mariah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Same uh, okay, that's, that's a weird no connection to, you no know, comment on the mix Korean farming, <laughs> but sure. Is <laughs> <laughs> Will Patton in this movie? Anyway, Cross anyway let, him, let him talk. <laughs> Makes me want to rewatch Mariah. Uh, Mariah, because now I feel like I get Hasada. I think when I watched Mariah, I did not get Hasada at all. Now I feel like I understand him as a director. He's really doing these kind of interesting coming-of-age stories, but through a fantastical element, right? Which I, I kind of feel like I get it now, and this was the movie that made me appreciate it. Uh, I, I love the dynamic both between the actual boy and the beast, and then when the boy grows up a little bit and his connection to a few characters from the human world. Mm -hmm. I think that really works. Uh, I, I think that th this movie, I, I love the kind of movies where I don't, I think magical realism is probably not quite the apt descriptor for this. Cause it's not quite the realism, but it tells a less fantastical story within a fantastical world. And I, I think that works really well. Uh, yeah, uh, makes me want to watch more of Hasada's things. It makes me sad I didn't have a chance to watch Wolf Children. Uh, but overall, excellent film. Uh, has anyone else here seen The Boy Beast? Nah. No. Gotta watch it, man. That's great. I'll watch it, but I haven't seen it. I'm on my Amazon. I'm on my Amazon. I'm on my Amazon. I'm on my Amazon. <laughs> the, secret, the secret is crime. Uh, so now we'll go to Chance for his 23. Uh, so, yeah, this, this is my first Ardman shout out. Uh, this is one that I like uh, reasonably more than most people. It's uh, Shaun the Sheep, the movie. Uh, so, yeah, I, yeah, I know. So, let me just explain. So, this is a movie, it's based on the Shaun the Sheep shorts. Uh, basically, about the movie itself is about Shaun the Sheep who lives, lives on his farm. Uh, he falls into the mundane. Just like, like, I'm tired of this shit. Look, all this you. We're gonna we're gonna knock our farmer out. Put him in the trailer. We're just gonna have the day off. It's gonna be fine. Only problem is uh, the trailer they put him in gets loose, goes into the city, and they have to go get and they have to go get him out. Um, interesting thing about this film is that there's no talking. There is literally not a single piece of like tangible dialogue. People, like people say like they make sounds. They don't actually like form sentences. I, they, they might be Welsh. I have no idea. Um, but I think that even though the fact that there's no talking and there's no like real written, you know, there's no like any real writing in this film, they managed to make a lot of character. Like you, you very quickly understand what Sean, what Sean is about, uh, the dog bits. So you understand what he's about. You feel the connection between uh, the animals and their farmer, which is why they're so desperate to get him back. That makes for a lot of great laughs. The villain is surprisingly intimidating. Because the whole time they're in the city, they're trying to run this uh, this guy for the animal containment unit, who is just like not letting this go for whatever reason. Like he's he's he's, he's like a Nazi for animals. There's there's a scene in the movie where they go like all the 
animals he's contained. The line of the people they have there is funny because like there are certain animals they have in containment. They're just like, "What the fuck were you doing? <laughs> we had to catch you." Um, but yeah, I do think that this is uh, it's an incredibly charming movie. Uh, it's funny. It's moving. It's got a lot of heart to it. And again, I just admire. I admire the craft because, like, you look at like Arben's other film. This is maybe one of the more, more complex, despite the fact there's no talking. It's probably one more complexly animated film because like, a lot of their films are animated in, you know, like somewhere remote, like a farm or somewhere, you know, like a town. This is doing a whole city, so they had to animate, you know, like bigger buildings, blocks, all uh, tons of people, like bystanders, all kinds of stuff. And yeah, like they do it all impressively. It's seamless. Uh, it goes into a lot of really. Uh, funny uh side bits which i really which i won't give away because there are a lot of like really good jokes in there and yeah uh, i really really do enjoy sean the shoot the movie yeah uh i told a certain person not to watch yls tonight uh because if he would have found out that i said that i didn't really like this movie oh was it think- no it was it was cameron redshaw cameron redshaw loved this movie and he knows where I live. Uh, so, <laughs> Cody, DM me the address. I think it's fine. It is perfectly fine. There are some funny little things, but overall, Hardman humor just doesn't line up with me. It, it just doesn't like. This is a lot. Like I don't like Wallace and Gromit. I don't. I'm. I'm not big on that. I. I wasn't really big on Flush Away. I just. Armin humor doesn't really line up for me. Uh, and this I thought was fine. I didn't. I didn't really love it. Uh, you know, uh, Timmy. Timmy the sheep is great, but overall, <laughs> uh, no bar. Don't. Don't. Uh, anyway, thoughts on John the sheep the movie. I love this movie too. I think this is a terrific, and I think it's really funny. It's it's pretty similar to Babe Pig in the City. I feel like so. I feel like Nazario should appreciate it on some <laughs> level. Um, but no, I, I think the humor in this is really well done. And again, like it's so much of it, the story and the and the comedy is crafted through visual gags. And I think the way that it's structured and the way that one piece, set piece kind of leads into the other is really just so well designed. And the way that the movie flows from one part to another is really seamless. Um, and I, I love the Shaun the Sheep, the little interstitials they used to air um, in between other TV shows, like back in like the late 2000s. And I really like those a lot. So seeing this in movie form is really exciting for me. Um, I didn't love this. I didn't like the sequel quite as much. I thought it was kind of, it was okay, but it was kind of a letdown, Farmageddon. Um, but I, I think this is a really, really fun, charming movie um, that I, I, I really like. So I, don't, I don't know. Bowman's tripping. Bowman be, Bo, boats be tripping. <laughs> See, I don't know, man. I, 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 I think we were put up with this gimmick that Mark has about putting these weird little thing movies, but I think the joke has gone too far. Wait. Oh, it's Chess. Oh, yeah. yeah no, it's, uh, okay. All right. All right. I actually haven't seen this movie. Ah, bitch. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I just talked up Chicken Run like quite a bit. And the, these like feel real like these Sean the Sheep movies feel really up my wheelhouse. I haven't seen them, and uh, I will. I, I will. They're on. They're on the list, and uh, I, I should correct that soon. Okay, uh, Mark, we go to your twenty-three. Okay, uh, my twenty-three is Lilo and Stitch. Yikes. Yikes. Okay. Okay, Nazario, you're twenty-three. 
Do we like stop animation or do we like stop animation? My number 23 is Isle of Dogs. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wes okay. Anderson is a brilliant director. I think we all kind of know this. And he had decided for some reason twice to make animated movies. This is one of them. And it's a great little movie. Like, the way he just creates this whole environment uh, on the on the I on the, the country's Japan that they do not for some reason like dogs and they decide to like evict all the dogs to trash island and the way this affects personally one little kid the son of the mayor Atari Kobayashi uh, with his uh, you know his <laughs> bodyguard was the dog and it breaks his heart so he decides that he's gonna uh, you know go against his mayor because the mayor who's his adoptive uncle because you know he wants to save his dog it's it's just a Wes Anderson movie with a dog skin, man. Like every single dog in that island, Edward Norton, Jeff Goldblum, Bill Murray, they all have these little gimmicks that are hilarious and jokes that keep repeating all over the, the length of the movie. While the movie is also an interesting adventure about this kid who just wants to get his dog back. And it features Brian Creston as chief in one of those animated characters that kind of stick with you because he's the one that he's there by choice he's the one that nobody wanted nobody's missing him he was the run to the litter and he just wants everybody else to you know learn how it is to just survive as a dog and not need any human masters and nobody really buys into it because they are all pampered pets that grew up in a different environment and it's actually chiefs story the one that has the most heart to it because as as the movie moves forward and advances the story he starts to realize the value on on the connection between the the master and pet the human and, and dog and he learns some truths about himself that he didn't know or understand and ends up in a whole different place and there's one scene when it is revealed something to him that basically shakes his world and i i cried man like, I, I love that dog. I love Chief. I'm not really a cat person, so making the cats the bad guys is obviously the clear winner for me in this one. My kids love cats, though, which is weird. Uh, yeah, I love dogs, man. It's brilliant on multiple levels. It, for kids, my kid saw it with, as a five-year-old, and he loved it. And as an adult, you can see all the subtleties that get interposed in between the layers. And the cast, man, is insane. Appreciate this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I do I do I really like Isle of Dogs. Uh, I saw it in uh, theaters in 2018, and uh, yeah, th it was my first Wes Anderson movie in theaters, uh, and uh, I had a really good time with it. Uh, I I really like the uh, aesthetics of Wes Anderson, of course, but I, I really thought that the story was heartwarming. Was it anything like spectacular? No, but I thought it was a really nice, cute little movie. Uh, that that wasn't afraid to be a little bit more adult, uh, but yeah, I, cast obviously great. Uh, overall, I thought it had some really interesting ideas, uh, and it was just it was just a fun little adventure film. Uh, Twenty three though is a bit hot. I think that the the thirty to forty range is about the correct spot for this. Twenty three, especially considering we had lower. Eh. But uh, I'm not super upset because this is a fun movie. Everyone else on our dogs. I'm going to go uh, first. I know. So
I'm certain somebody has this pretty strong feelings about this one. Um, I like it. I don't love it. I think Fantastic Mr. Fox is his better animated film. Uh, I think that the cast is, for this film is great. They're all doing great jobs. Uh, I especially do love Brian Cranston. The, the five men, Brian Cranston, Ed Norton, um, Goldblum, Murray, and uh, Bob Balaban, I think are all fantastic. Um, but yeah, I think that it falls a little short for me, but I, I, do th- I think it's good. I don't dislike it. But yeah, it just oh, falls short Murray Abraham is brilliant in his short scene. That he is. Uh, yeah, honestly, I'm just kind of sick of the Wes Anderson cultural tourism thing that he does. Like, there's no again. If you want to read a piece about this and, and the and the ideas behind it, there's a vulture piece called um, I think it would, I think it's what it's like to watch Isle of Dogs as a Japanese speaker. I think that stuff honestly does bother me. Um, I think the movie itself is just okay. I don't think. I never really got the emotional connection to the characters, really, that I think Nazario seemed to get. Um, and the ending kind of did fall a little flat. Like, I think it looks pretty good. Um, it's, like, obviously well animated. because And but and the, the cast is impressive, but I think some of them aren't really very... I think I get, I do think that Brian Cranston's quite good, but I think, like, it's pretty uneven in terms of some people bringing it and some people not. Um, I don't know. It's just a movie that I just don't, I don't really have a lot of um, super positive feelings about. So it's, like... It's okay. It's not like terrible, terrible, but it's uh, definitely not a uh, not. We're not going to close to my list. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Wes Anderson is a director that I always think that I really like, and like every time I see one of his movies, like I was like, oh, that's right. I don't really like Wes Anderson that much. Like the only movie of his that I kind of like, uh, just general, and I'll rewatch is Grand Budapest Hotel, and this movie's just like it just. Like, I, I think his style just kind of bugs me. Like, even though, like, it feels like a guy who's trying to be super artistic. Like, I need to make the frame directly center and look at all the shit. Like, it's just like, okay, guy. Like, it just, I get it. Like, and then, like, and then, like, his, like, humor style. Like, it just feels like, it's just, <laughs> it, it's like, it's like too deadpan for me. Like, just, I don't. Like they just, it just doesn't fucking hit for me, man. And even though, like the, like the cast, the cast is amazing. I thought like this one, oh, like since the cast is great, like it'd be more for me. I'm just like, no, it's fine. Jesus Christ! I mean, it, it, it's okay, I guess. It's not. It's not. Yeah, it's whatever. Anyway, uh, yeah, I like. Anyway, uh, next, I believe we are at Me. my twenty-two. Ball. My number twenty-two, little fella, go by the name of Rango. Um, this is a yikes from earlier. Um, I love, love this movie. I think it's such a great adventure movie, and I think like the action set pieces are kind of one of the things that really holds for me. I think that chase with the bats is like awesome action filmmaking and like in an animated form is really impressive. Um, I love the, I mean, I'm a big kind of Westerns and I love all the homages to like both classic Westerns and just the tropes of Westerns throughout this. And I think the way that Gore Verbinski kind of realizes those is really fascinating. Um, I love, again, the characterization of the town, all the stuff with the, the, with the giant water jug and and all this. I mean, the fact that Rango comes in as this foolhardy guy who, he really he 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 makes up his own fairy tale essentially, and he creates his own story and his own legacy, and he tries to live up to that. And that's kind of like the the bar that he sets for himself. And I think like you see him having this conflict, and I love that scene with Timothy Oliphant as like the spirit of the West. I think that's such a great um, Clint Eastwood homage. But um, I think it's again, I think it also is funny in moments. But I do think that the really the biggest mark for this movie is the action. Piece. I mean, there's the chase in the town too that I think is just like 
it's just a great action scene. And I think that the way that Rubinsky stages all that stuff is really impressive. Um, and I think that the duality of both the, again, the, the trappings of cinema and the way he talks about movie culture, especially in the, like the opening scene is really great. Um, and I think it's a, it's a great meta text about, mo about movies in general, but also especially about Westerns. Um, and I think those two are the aspects really make this kind of, kind of get a level above um, so that some other animated movies like this. So yeah, I, Rango, what, one of my favorite anime movies, I think it rules. I think Nazario had it. Yeah, I had it at yeah. 34. Uh, basically, everything you said, it holds up for me. And you also did well. You didn't mention there is also obviously the Hunter S. Thompson connection there. Yes. With the, yes. the little scene to the Johnny Depp character in Fear and Loathing. Uh, also, I, I like the, the way that movie shot. Like the, the, the way he presents the character, every single character, it's volumetrically bigger than what you usually get in kids' films. Like, there are, like, thick, very detailed, weird-looking creatures from the from the uh, desert. And the, he gives you clean shots of everyone. And it looks pristine. Like, the way everything moves, it feels almost real. Like, not quite real, because they are very animated, but it looks very close to it. And the, the, way, the way the story works with the whole trope of the water... Like he controls the water, controls the the money and stuff, and the and the thing with the the city, it's it's, it's basically Las Vegas. It's, yeah, it's it's kind of brilliant, and it's one of those things. Like again, I watched it with my kid last week again, and he loves it because of the animation style, the the exciting adventure part. But you get all the subtext of the extra stuff as an adult, and I, I think Gore Verbinski is very underrated as a director. He ha he has a way to make things work that shouldn't really work he's just he's just kind of kind of good and yeah rango's great uh the joke about we ride it's one of my favorite things ever and i don't know if it's once or twice in the, in the theatrical cut, but i saw the director's cut and it's twice and both times i laughed my ass off we ride i didn't know rango had director's cut okay I, I wish i could watch this movie with uh other Let's people what? Ex-girlfriend again? <laughs> Damn. That's not a joke. But uh, no, I, I wish I could watch the movie with what everyone else sees in it. I don't get it. I think this movie is absolutely fine. On rewatch, I think I was too hard on the movie. I think it is well made. I just really don't get into it. And I don't know why. I see the the movie symbolism in there, but like, yes, I see it, but I don't really think it's saying anything all that interesting. And it doesn't even then, I just don't care about these characters because I think the big problem is I just don't really care about Rango. I don't really care about Beans. I don't really care about the town. That That's kind of my big problem. I don't really connect the characters. Uh, I, again... This was a movie that a lot of people love. I just, I don't get it. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm going to get hate for that one, but I don't care. I, I just can't get into this one. Chance, Mark? This is like in the same about Sugar Mom, which uh, could have been a strong contender if I had seen it more recently. It's been a while since I've seen Rango. I, it's, it's weird I've been having like an history to watch it just because I, I don't know why how, or how I stumbled across a video of like them making the movie. And like a really impressive thing about that that we really talked about the fact that like they, they built sets. To have like the actor like walk around and like like give their lines and like they animated like a lot of what they were saying when they were like doing those walkthroughs 
and which is which is like a really interesting way to like do a lot of these sequences. Like a lot of like most anime movies don't do that, and but it did like add a lot of you know lot, like a, a lot of dimension. What? Because that seems like a big waste of time. It, 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 in, in reality, but it, but it get a lot of dimension performance. I think Johnny Depp, from what I remember, was incredible in this film. But <laughs> okay, um, yeah, but uh, this is one I haven't seen recently enough. I remember liking it a lot. I haven't seen it. You know, I think for live action movies, uh, like like The Godfather, uh, we should just have like model figures of the of. That's the not act. the same thing. That doesn't even make sense. That's what are you not the same about? thing. Literally, what are you talking <laughs> about? <So> relax. <laughs> I think that is your resting part. Okay. Weird tangents here. Um, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of, I'm kind of a chance in this one. It's it's just been a really long time. I, I've seen it once. I really liked it the first time I saw it. It it also been a bit since it came out because, uh, and that third Pirates movie, man, it really soured me on Gore Verbinski for a while. And when I finally saw it, I'm like, man, this movie's pretty good. Like, yeah, he, this guy's got a future after all. It Everyone is. needs to relax. Third Pirates is fine. It's not as good as Caleb Coho says. It's not as bad as everyone else says. It sucks. Uh, but Rango is much better. Uh, but, you know, if if I had seen it within like the last year, <laughs> if I had seen it like the last year, it would have been like thirty seven or something. Okay, uh, so now I believe that was Paul twenty two. So I believe we are. Uh, my number twenty two is the action movie Paranorman. Yeah, I think yeah, I'm pretty sure the size it goes. Um, so yeah, Paranorman is one. This is like a movie that I, one of the like ones I do like more than uh, with the Two Strings. Um, I think that what works about this film is, well, I mean, I love the aesthetic of like a Halloween animated movie. Uh, I think that again, the stop motion of this film is incredible. Um, but I think what t- took me in about this film is the, is the writing. Something I didn't really comprehend when I first saw it. I first saw it in 2011, in 2012 when it came out. Uh, but I watched it this past um, Halloween, and uh, what took him, what took him by surprise, which is like how deep the story got and how much more complex it gets as, as the narrative goes on. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's basically about a, a kid who can he can see ghosts and basically use that and has to use that because there's a whole curse about to like like wipe out this town that he's got to try and figure out. But like that's just like the premise to hook you in. As the movie goes on, it gets a lot more complex. And what I like about it is the fact that it kind of harkens back to the idea of you know what makes what makes a monster. Uh, there's something that happens like towards the end of this film that really makes you reevaluate how you feel about you know like the ghosts that you were taught to fear in the movie to begin with, and it makes you and kind of an idea that you know things like the the monster at at the end of the story, and, and was at some one point just a person and you know be brought into all all the emotions and all like the trauma and all the strife attached to it, uh, becomes a lot about you know acceptance versus vengeance. Uh, I think Norman's a great protagonist. It has a lot of light moments, but I think that it's it's really heavy. I really like the theme it touches on. It's one that a lot of anime movies don't don't do, and it's very rare that I see a anime movie be this be this nuanced with a, essentially a ghost story. So, yeah, I think this film is fantastic. Yeah, uh, Nazari, you had this, correct? At 35, yes. Uh, I agree with everything he said. I went, I was sold the movie and I got another one. I was sold a movie uh, for kids about scary zombies. And honestly, the first time I watched it and I realized, like, huh, there's only seven zombies and it's very limited and it's not like they can bite other people and infect them. I was like, okay, this is, this is not what I expect to be. 
But honestly, I went back and watched it again, and it ended up being better than when I originally expected. Because yes, it's, there are way better zombie movies, but this is not really a zombie movie. This is a movie about people who are cursed by the decisions that they took based on bigotry and hate. And teaching that to kids through the way they do in this film is brilliant. Like the way it turns in the end, when they finally reveal why these zombies are coming back, who they are, who they represent, and what the big bad of the movie is, it's heartbreaking. Especially when they they do the the, black, the flashback scenes explaining where, how it came to this place and how ignorance and and malice can just overpower the, the human heart and human compassion in a way that turns people into monsters. This movie mm. is goddamn brilliant. Yeah, uh, I absolutely agree with uh, both of you. I think that Paranorman is so excellent. I love the kind of subtle references to different like 80s cheesy horror movies like i think the first hour of this movie is just a very fun kind of movie but then the way the last half hour shifts and something very different i think is so smart and so important of like just hey let's like actually look at this logically I think is so brilliant. This is just one of the most like smart, subversive animated movies I've ever seen. Uh, this is one that it's absolutely going to become like a consistent Halloween watch for me because I didn't see it till this year. Uh, this it's fun, spooky aesthetic with really nuanced characters that I really like. Uh, in particular, Dave Franco's character, uh, but no, not Dave Franco, Casey Affleck. Casey yeah. Affleck. <laughs> there, um, two very different people. <laughs> John Goodman is very underrated too in, in this in this movie. That John is. Goodman. John Goodman is a goddamn treasure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but overall, we like this one. Everyone else on Paranorman, Mark and Paul, you both didn't have it. Yeah, Why? honestly, I, I saw this in theaters and I remember like nothing about it. Um, and it's something I was sort of thinking about rewatching for this list, just didn't end up rewatching it. But I, I couldn't tell you like almost anything about it. So I really don't think I would have anything interesting to say at all. I just like don't really remember it. Um, so I should rewatch it. The way that Nazar describes it makes me want to watch it like tonight. Uh, yeah, um, kind of, kind of the same because I honestly blind bought this movie and I own it, and I honestly hadn't seen it since you know whenever I watched it, and I like my my uh, my my nephew, like just kind of put it on for some reason, and I I just kind of remember watching bits in the background like shit. This is this is not the movie that I remember watching. Like it just. Like it, it, it still had been so long, so I, I couldn't put it on for like that reason, just because like I just I don't really remember it that well either. But but yeah, I mean this, it, it it's a really weird movie that that just kind of weird that just kind of hits you out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh. So now we will go to March twenty-two. Okay. Uh. Let's see. If this one pops up. My twenty-two is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Yes. Yeah, right now. It's... For later, I'm later. Later, okay. yeah. I had a feeling. It's my 22 too. So, <clears throat> okay. Rex Paul first 21. Uh, my 21 is the movie I watch every Christmas. Uh, my number 21 is Tokyo Godfathers. Nice. Uh, this is another movie from Satoshi Kon, and it's about these three homeless people um, 
who in Tokyo find this baby and go on a quest to try and return the baby to its original family. Um, and this is truly, I think, one of the most empathetic animated movies ever made. I think the way that it treats its main characters and doesn't demean them or try to make you feel sympathy for them in any kind of cheap way, but just shows the way that they live their lives. Um, I think this is like one of the only movies I've ever seen that has trans rep like representation, which is, I think, is a really powerful and an important thing to have, especially in 2003. Um, but I think, I mean, I, they, they did a wonderful restoration of this for the Blu-ray release, and it, it looks amazing, especially, I think, now when they, once they cleaned everything up. Um, but this is a, a wonderful, delightful movie um, that I just think is so powerfully about people connecting to each other and unlikely families, and, and families being the people that you spend your life and time with, um, not necessarily the people who, you know, you were, you were born to or whatever. Um, and that stuff is really powerful. I think the way that certain people treat their families differently than others is really powerful. And then the way that some people, you know, are willing to help out others that they don't know for no real reason. Um, and it's just this journey of these three people kind of finding each other and then coming apart. But then um, there are still these ties that bring them back together. Uh, and it's just, again, it's a simple way to do that, right? It's this baby and they're going on this, this trek to, to bring it back. And the lengths that they go to try and get this baby back to its original family, it's a baby that they don't really have any reason to care about. Um, is the reason this is so powerful. I think it's a great, it's set on Christmas Eve. It's like a great um, visual setting. Tokyo and Christmas is not something that you see a lot, I think in movies, um, but it looks gorgeous. And I think um, every kind of frame and, and moment of this movie really touches me in a special, special way. Um, yeah, like I said, I watch it every Christmas. I think it's a, it's a wonderful holiday movie and a great, great animated movie overall. Yeah, uh, I watched this on your recommendation back in uh, December. And uh, I liked it, didn't love it. I want to give it another shot. Uh, I didn't have time to give another shot for this. But overall, I remember uh, liking it. I really liked like the last 20 minutes of the film because I think that's where you really can. I love movies where like it's they're about finding family in groups that are not your family, essentially, and those family dynamics and not non-family situations. I really like those. Overall, the film just story-wise went in a couple different dungeons that didn't quite work for me, but I still think it's excellently made. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Jack, come on. Uh, ever Has anyone else seen Tokyo Godfather? That's Zach, by the way. Just, I don't know if you know oh, that. That's Zach Ford. That's Zach Ford, oh, yeah. That's what he used to be called when he was in school. Kid used to call him that, but yeah, anyway. I've seen it, and I agree. I actually think it, it's a little thing of tone for me. I also haven't seen it in, like, 15 years, so maybe I'm, I don't know if I'm remembering right, but there's there's a very separate tone at the beginning when they're trying to just, like, the, the extra lengths that Paul mentioned about trying to get this baby where it's supposed to be versus the the last part of the movie where they reveal what actually how that baby got to them and basically how they managed to you know find out who their parents are and there's an extra reveal involving the police about one of the characters that i actually find very touching so i feel like the movie overall is actually solid it's very good it's just something that never jumped as a favorite on my list for some reason yeah, this is one that I, I, I've seen twice. I actually did catch it for a screening because Fathom was doing a, a run for the Blu-ray release. So I did get to catch a screening in theaters. And yeah, it was really good. It's actually very close to making my list. Uh, it was on like the out, outer, like between like the 10 and 10, 15 range. Uh, it, was, it was very close. I do think this is actually a really good movie. Uh, 
I, I agree with everything Paul said. It's just one that it, it, it barely missed out. Uh, yeah, when 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 Paul said he watches every Christmas for a split second, I thought we were going to see Zemeckis' Christmas Carol on the list, but you know, <laughs> Dark Magic the movie, <laughs> yeah. not even maybe not I, even I his worst Christmas movie. Like maybe, maybe not. <laughs> but but no, like I knew I knew the shit was going to happen when I saw Paul was here. Like oh, he's going to name a bunch of movies I haven't seen. This is one of them. Movies I'm, for you to discover in the future. I, I'm always on the lookout for good Christmas movies. I'll say okay, uh, Chance, you're 21. My, my, I might be about to burn all the good while I got from Paranormal on the last pick, but it's, it's fine because it's just for me. Uh, I remember 21's Dumbo, which I know is weird coming from me. Like, <laughs> only only Negro on this panel and he picks Dumbo, but it's fine. Let me, let me, I'll get to that. I will get to that. Just hold on. We're playing uh, with Sodium and I don't like it. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm allowed. And you want me, you want me to it's sign all your release? Panel, no worries. You want me to sign all your release forms? I'll do it. It's fine. Um, but, uh, for me, like, this is a movie that means a lot to me specifically just because uh, growing up, I was always really close to my, close to my mother, uh, for a lot of years. It was the two of us before my sister was born. And I, I really look at this movie and then I attach a lot of like our relationship into the relationship between Dumbo and his mother. Um, I think that the, uh, scene where, you know, she's locked up and like she, and he's like right outside her pen, I think is like, it's fantastic and i don't cry in movies a lot but that's one that like oh my nearly gets me i don't care movies ever actually that's one that nearly gets me there uh the baby mine song i think is i, th- I think is beautiful it's one that my mom sang to me when i was uh when i was when i was younger every night to try and get me to sleep but i wouldn't go because i'm just too too goddamn stubborn um i think i think that dumbo is protagonist despite the fact that he never talks i think you like discern a lot of character from him uh, I like the relationship between him and Timothy Q. Mouse. The scene where they get drunk is uh, probably one of the trippier anime movie scenes I've ever seen. Like, it's, if you want, like, you know, some Marina microcosm, it's this scene right here. Like, it's it's horrifying. It felt like, like, Disney found somebody who just, like, took acid. It's like, hey, look, you're going to this acid. Whatever you see, draw it out. We're going to animate it. We got this, bro. We can do this. Uh, I know this is one that's come under a lot of scrutiny in the recent years because of one element that is. The Black Ass Crows, which I am not going to sit here and defend uh, as an African-American. Um, but it's something that I just, I don't know what, I can't help but, it's just so, like, shocking. It's so, like, it's such shocking and belief I can't help but laugh at it. Like, I'm not offended by it. Like, it's, it's a cartoon from the 40s. Like, it's just it's kind of to be expected from that era. But the thing that, like, turns me off the movie entirely. And, yeah, a lot of what tells me is, like, the, the music, I think, I think is great. I think the animation for the time is really good. Uh, and yeah, a lot of it for me is just a relationship between Dumbo and his mom. That it's just it's a movie that means a lot to me personally. I don't regret anyone else for not having it. This is just a pick for this is a pick honestly for me. Okay, I'm I'm not even gonna address the elephant in the room, even though I will address the elephant in the room. We're not gonna address the the the, the little black the four little black niggas <laughs> <laughs> movie <laughs> like later. The movie as a whole, I think it's just boring. That's the biggest problem with this movie is I just, there are two good scenes. If you want to watch this movie, don't watch this movie. Watch Baby Mine and watch Pink Elephants on Parade and you're good. You're good. Timothy Q. Mouse is discount Jiminy Cricket. That is all he is. He is just discount Jiminy Cricket. He has the same function. They are they basically feel like the same character, to be honest. Like, he feels like discount Jiminy Cricket. I think this movie, I do not care about the stuff with the circus. 
I do not care about basically most of what happened in this movie with the beginning. Uh, that that little uh, red haired kid uh, is punchable. I you know, but overall, I mean, he's kind of supposed to be. So. Yeah, I'm I'm not saying that that's a bad thing against the movie, but this movie is just boring and forgettable. Not a whole lot of happens. And yeah, it, it feels like this film could have been a 10 minute short, to be honest. Like, I feel like, or you could have packaged this, like put this where like bon- Bongo was in Fun and Fancy Free. And honestly, works about the same, to be honest. Uh, this this movie's, yeah, it's bad. I'm sorry, it's bad. It's fun. Again, uh, like, it's, it's one that I, I know, you know, what? You know what? the vast minority on. Tim Burton one is better. Tim Burton one oh, is better. Okay. Okay. Hey, but it's better. It's, it's, Tim Burton one is <laughs> better, but it is slightly better. Everyone else on Dumbo. Tim Burton basically did Dumbo and Dumbo 1.5 together as one movie. <laughs> and did, it, worked. it worked. I don't hate Dumbo. I actually find that for little kids uh, uh, with a more simple structure, it works well. The pink elephant scene, everybody remembers that, it, but it's not—it's not that great. It's visually appealing for like the first two minutes, but it goes on for too long. But yeah, the the message on the on the background with the mother and how she fights for him over everything else, and how he has to see her locked up like the way she is, and and he cries outside her her locked thing. It's it's kind of beautiful the the ending the ending uh when they finally get reunited is it's sweet but i think it's undersold like they needed a bigger emotional payoff for the, the gut punch that they give you first and i love casey jr it's a fun little train the crows are the crows that <laughs> was a kid and i didn't know about racism i thought they were funny now not so much I mean, it's not a, it's not a deal breaker. Um, Mark? Yeah, I, I, this actually, I think, is one of the first movies I cried at when I was a kid because I just really was connected to the Dumbo mother stuff. Um, I don't, I didn't love this as much the most recent time I watched it, but I do think it's still pretty good. Uh, I do think thinking this movie is like super boring and then thinking other movies are like hilarious and great um, says something about attention span that I think is interesting. Um, but I do think that this movie is like, it's, I think it's beautifully animated. And I think some of the scenes are really cool, especially the, um, the scene where they're all hallucinating, I think is really great. Um, and I love scenes that are kind of weird like that in these classic Disney movies. But I think ultimately the movie just does feel a bit slight um, and doesn't have the full package, I think, that 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 I think I want from it. Um, but I do think like that the middle part especially is really strong. The part with Bam and not Bambi, Dumbo and, and Dumbo's <laughs> mother um is really good. But it's a it's a movie that's good, but just is not like a personal personal favorite. All right. Uh, yeah. Um, um, uh, yeah, I think I'll probably be on the other side of the attention span argument Paul's talking about. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like I got with like a lot of pre-80s Disney, like just like kind of the more I kind of dive back into it, just a lot of it's just kind of boring to me. It just doesn't, it just doesn't really stick with me. Like Dum- Dumbo's kind of on, on that list. Like there's only like a handful like of in that era that like I kind that I really go back to and that kind of get me and like eh, Dum- Dumbo's not really one of them. So someone put Zach Ford's comment on there. It's an amazing the comment I, on the. <laughs> he describes it uh, like 
Big ear, sad mom. <laughs> Big ear, sad mom. Sad <laughs> Big ear, sad moms die young. Yeah, that's the, that's the uh, Next, we will go to Mark. You're 21. I think I might be able to actually talk about a movie this week. Uh, my 21 is Porco Rosso. Just kidding. You're good. You're good. All right. Here we go. Yeah. Um, as I said, you know, uh, last week, I gravitated to the weird-ass Ghibli films, man, and freaking Porco Rosso is one. Man, something about Michael Keaton voicing a pig that just, man, it, 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 really, it really got to me. And, I think what I kind of like, because in all series, like the the actual character of Porco Rosa, I just find super goddamn interesting. Of he is a character who is really scarred by the things he saw and the things he did in war, in the war, and he's also a guy that really hasn't forgiven himself for it. He doesn't really like. I mean, because that scene where like he's talk like where he's telling um. Uh, like uh, the the girl mechanic, can't remember her name. Pretty much about uh, like. It's, I mean, he's telling her about kind of uh, the, a story he had in the war, and it's really just a really kind of heart wrenching scene about him, really about him going through survival survivor's guilt, but him not thinking like he should have lived, that there were better people there, and he, like him wishing that it was him, and like to to see like this. Like kind of weird, almost like childlike sentiment of him still being a pig, of that way of, of kind of his way of showing him carrying this guilt around, like is is just so neat. Like it, and it, it's just like a, a really creative way to show that. And kind and I kind of love and also like kind of one of my favorite thing about Hayao Miyazaki's direction is kind of how. In a lot of his movies, he can tell like some of the kind of what seem like light movies, and he'll kind of put like this, like this kind of weird, like kind of gritty and kind of sad tone in them, but still kind of be light and fun because like it still feels like a light and fun movie, even though he's being chased by the Italian secret police, and like we know some bad shit's gonna happen if the, the Italian secret police catches him. Like I don't know, like I. The movie I think is fun as hell. It's it's really wrestling with some kind of some really dark themes, and it doesn't really offer up a lot of easy answers. It doesn't even tell you, doesn't even give you a good idea if if he's kind of dealt with these feelings. We kind of think we hope that he has, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe he, you know he just kind of stays like this cynical guy forever. Yeah, uh, I. Did not see. Uh, I had not seen Porco Rosso until today, and I I had been looking forward to it, and I really had a great time with Porco Rosso. I thought Porco Rosso was excellent. Uh, I I think it comes down to that character. That character is real, really fascinating and really charming isn't the correct word but really endearing you do care so much about him and he's very funny even though he is a bit of a curmudgeon uh, and i think that's keaton keaton is just able to navigate that so well with the voice performance uh but this movie does get a little heavy which is weird for a movie where your main character is a, a talking pig man but it, it gets really heavy 
at, at points, and then it, it alleviates it. But I, I think this film really kind of navigates that line. Uh, a lot of the dog fights are great, uh, particularly uh, the the ending one uh, that is the competition. That one's great. That kind of turns into not being a dog fight in a really clever twist. Uh, overall, I think uh, film was quite good. Uh, I love Ghibli, so it, of the Ghiblis I've seen, it's not like top top tier, but it's it's real solid. Uh, so yeah, everyone else on Porco Rosa. I haven't seen. This is one of the Ghibli's I haven't seen, so can't talk about it. You're muted. Oh, sorry, yeah. you're muted. I actually have seen Porco Rosso, but Ghibli has so many good movies, and especially Hayao Miyazaki, that if I just started putting everything that was good on this list, probably would not leave space for other stuff. So I had to make choices. Choices were made. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'd rather be a pig than a fascist, too, Porco Rosso. I relate. Um, no, I mean, I think that when I was building this list, I try, I might have tried a little too hard to vary it. You know, I think in reality, this might be one of my top 40 animated movies, honestly. Um, I do love this movie a lot. I, again, it does have a lot of darkness. Like, this is a movie about, like, how going off to war can cause people to, like, feel detached from society. Um, and you see the self-hatred with Porco Rosa, where it's, like, this woman who's clearly interested in him, but he has he's not willing to acknowledge the fact that she's interested and cares about him, right? Like, he totally ignores it. He pretends, like, ah, oh, that's just... She's just doing this, you know, out of courtesy or whatever. Um, and the moment where she compliments him and you see his kind of face change, I think, is really interesting near the end of the movie. That's such a fascinating moment of, like that's what his inner self kind of reflects onto his outer self. Um, but I think this is a great, great, terrific movie. That's again, about like kind of the horrors of war and how people deal with it, but also like how sometimes people can like come through difficult circumstances and just be a solid, good person and still help other people and still not become evil in and of themselves. And I think that stuff is really beautiful. I think I love how kind of quiet this movie is. It's not overpowering you with score and lots of dialogue and it doesn't have to be doing something at all the time it kind of just lets you sit in a lot of the moods and he, with him flying. Um, I love his kind of his hangout inside of that big cave where he's just on the beach and he's got this kind of tent. He's got this lawn chair set up and all that stuff. That stuff is, is terrific. And um, yeah, this I mean, this movie rules like, what, what, what else can I say? It's not one of my like favorite, favorite Miyazaki's of course, but um, it's one that I definitely, it's one of the first ones I saw. Um, and it's one that I, you know, again, I love a lot. Nazari, have you seen? Oh, Nazari did talk about it. Okay, yes. so we are now on. Chance hadn't seen it. That's right. Uh, so now we are on Nazario's twenty-one. Nazario, take us home. My number twenty-one is 2010's How to Train Your Dragon. It was my thirty-six. That was my thirty-two. Okay, I think it ends here. It ends here. Okay. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon. It's the best trilogy of films that DreamWorld Animation has made. Like in the in the movies that they have made series from, this is the best series. <laughs> Everyone has the same I reaction. Mean, They're like, maybe. It's, it's not even close. Uh, but I'm always been a guy who likes the beginnings more than the, the endings of stories. And most of the times, the ending always kind of disappoints a bit. The original How to Train Your Dragon had so much promise. It, it, created the scene it laid out the world in a way that you could easily get into it by using the the training structure for all the the vikings that were learning about the dragons you got to learn about the dragons too 
So when the sequels came and you get more of the payoff of the action part where you don't need to explain why this action, why this dragon behaves this way, why this two-headed dragon can do this thing that the other one can, you get all that from the original. And the relationship itself between Hiccup and Toothless, it's done in such a way that it basically earns all the goodwill that you carry on through the whole franchise. I love Toothless design. He's basically Stitch with a dragon. Uh, it's cuddly, yet menacing when it has to be. Jay Baruchel is fine as Hiccup. I, I kind of like him better as, as it went along. I didn't like it at the very, very beginning. But I, I know where it comes from. And the way he connects with Toothless. And I the, the thing I think sometimes gets not that mentioned on it or like not given a priority is the fact that he was the one who injured Toothless. He made him disabled. He basically took away the, the, the freedom he had. And he tried to give it back, but it only could be done halfway, at least in this movie, where he needed him to work together so he could fly again. And the, the way it reflects kind of as a mirror by the ending of the movie, when Hiccup himself becomes disabled after the fight with the, with the red, uh, the red dragon nightmare. I forgot the name of the big one. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. It's uh, it's this thing that, yes, we are not whole, yet together we make whole. The way they establish the other characters, and, and everybody's really funny. I actually enjoy Gerald Butler a lot in this movie uh, as Stoic, because I honestly generally don't like Gerald Butler. But I, I really like the way he chose to perform in, in, in this movie. Because you can understand, he comes from a place of fear where he already lost uh, the woman he loved to these dragon fights. And he does, just doesn't want to lose his kid. It's, it's a lovely um, film. I think, uh, sadly, it's the top of the, the series for me. People argue if the sequel is better. I don't agree, but it's a lovely film. Uh, Chance, you have this at 32? Yeah, I agree a lot in what Azaria said, except for maybe this being the best DreamWorks trilogy. It's debatable, but uh, I think this film stands as the best of the Hatchery of Dragon films. Uh, I think that, because I think it has the underdog, underdog factor. You have like Hiccup, who is just like totally inept at doing anything. Like, can't, this, well, this boy can't do anything, right? But then you bring in this uh, this dragon who he handicaps. You have to Tanya Harding's, and, except he helps him get better. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, I think that the relationship between the two of them, I think, is I like the uh, the boy and his dog bond. That it's just so strong by the fact that like so much of it is unspoken and was done through looks. Two, I think, is great. I think that the progression of the character is better in this film than I, I like it better in this film than the, in the other two sequels. And I also think that uh, someone who I really love as a friend is Craig Ferguson. <laughs> Anytime he pops up in one of these movies, I think is I think he's always like bring a lot of heart to bring a lot of laughs. So. Uh, yeah, this is uh, one. I also think the flying scenes are done spectacularly in this movie, and and the series on the whole. But yeah, I think the for the complete package, I think that I always go to the first Hatchery of the Dragon. Uh, Mark, you have this at thirty six. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, the, the way it, uh, you know the way way Chance talks about you know it be not maybe not being the best trilogy. Are you gonna surprise us with three Madagascar films? You know, coming up on the list, like <laughs> is that gonna happen? Stay tuned. <laughs> but, but no, um, yeah, this is, um, uh, going, going back and rewatching them, th this, 
this one became my favorite of the, uh, of the three, to be completely honest. It, it um, I still really like two and three a lot. I think they're pretty good sequels, and they round out a, a really good trilogy. I, I think this first one, like, because I think everybody kind of touched on it a lot. The world building that's done in this one is, is, is freaking awesome. And it really does so much heavy lifting for those second and third movies. And they, they are just kind of let to be kind of like the, these, these fun rides where the first one, I think, does so much work as far as the world, as far as the characters. It really builds everybody up really nicely it kind of lets us know like who everybody is and kind of the, the difficulties that they would have like along in the series uh the score is amazing i i was kind of lukewarm on it the first time i saw it and like man it is it, it is maybe one of the best of the decade it is so freaking good um and, and yeah and I, I like how like especially the end you know freaking um, uh guy, guy loses a leg and uh, it, it kind of has like this, uh, like yeah. it, it, it kind of does, it doesn't have like the super rosy ending. And I, I, I kind of like that about it. And it's a real precursor for the rest of the series. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not going to say too much because you guys basically covered everything. I think the film, uh, it, it has a lot of the similar beats of a lot of animated movies, but it does them in a very engaging way. Uh, I, I really like these characters. I think the dynamic between Hic Hiccup and uh, Toothless really works. I, I think that's absolutely what makes the film work. And the dynamic between Hiccup and Stoic. I do prefer the later film, or I prefer two to this one, but I do really like this one. Uh, Paul, you're the one person who did not have How to Train Your Dragon on your list. Uh, why did you want to make uh, Nico Rigoli cry? I mean, I know why. How many but... reasons do you need? Um, <laughs> no, I think for me, as is the case with almost every trilogy, I like the second entrant the most. I think that's where you get the most leeway to do what you want. You don't have to worry about setting stuff up or kind of concluding things, which is what I think makes allows them the freedom to do more interesting things. Um, so I do prefer the second movie, but I think um, there's a lot of stuff about the first movie to really love. I think, again, like Mark kind of mentioned it, but the John Powell score is amazing in this. I think it's one of the great animated scores really ever. Um, and that's like kind of the shining star for me. I don't love the side characters in this, which kind of makes like loses it a little bit for me. I don't love the like Christopher Mintz Plass and like TJ Miller and Kristen Wiig stuff. That stuff I don't really care for too much. Um, but I do think, I just think the relationships are stronger for me in the second movie, especially the stuff it introduces there. Um, I like this movie. It just has never really been like one that stuck for me as a favorite. Um, it's just like a super solid movie. Nothing that's ever like been like super okay. amazing. And with that, that does conclude the uh, list. Uh, so now it's time to give out grades. Uh, in last place for two weeks in a row. And <laughs> Ellison, you were doing all right. You were you were doing all right. Like, can I shut the two fuck up, bro. Move on. Then Dumbo happened and. There, there's nothing you can really do from there. You had some, you had Grave of the Fireflies, you had Shrek 2, uh, but Dumbo, you got your. I don't know if anyone's ever said that sentence. Well, you had Grave of the Fireflies and Shrek 2. <laughs> Those would go together. Uh, yeah, in uh, third place, uh, dropping quite a bit because he won last week with C, Paulo Yama. If you watch the movies, motherfucker. <laughs> 
I watched, I watched <laughs> two of them. Uh, Rango is really what hurt you. Rango, Rango is what hurt you there. I was in love with Tokyo Gato. I think he has some good ones. Uh, Boy and the Beast was uh, real good. Well, Children's Impossible to find. Shut up. Uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines is great, but yeah, Tokyo Godfather's being Rango. Rango in particular was really what hurt you, but overall not too far. Uh, then second place, uh, only really having one misstep, I would say, uh, is Mark Manchaka. Mark Manchaka had uh, a few odd things in there, but overall, a uh, big improvement from last week. Uh, only only real problem, Brave Little Toaster. Marco Rosa was excellent, but having it over... Lilo and Sitch being at 23, you better have some good movies in the, the 20 range and beyond. Uh, but overall, solid list. And winning tonight, uh, Mr. VHS Nazario. Uh, I, I just don't think he had any bad movies on his list. I, I like everything. I saw only little tiny thing was waking like really PTSD from your girlfriend <laughs> beat all of us. <laughs> I hadn't seen the movie. It's the Mark Pocket <laughs> defense. Give me a movie I won't watch. It's bad. Um, but yeah, uh, I I think that's that's the list of one. Uh, Spider Man, How Train Dragon, just excellent. So that does conclude our show tonight. So thank you to Paul. Thank you to Chance. Thank you to Mark. Thank you to Nazario. Tune in next week to see uh, if things change or if things stay the same. My list is going to get weird next week. Let's go. (laughs) Thank you to everyone. I'm Caleb Boatman. This sucks. I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. Not gonna intimidate me. I'm entitled to my opinion. Now what will it be? Death or exile? You're hopeless. You're a hopeless mental case. You better lawyer up, asshole. Because I'm not coming back for 30%. I'm coming back for everything. Normally, I would say Auf Wiedersehen. But since what Auf Wiedersehen actually means is till I see you again. And since I never wish to see you again, to you, sir, I say goodbye.